This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, Looking forward to this one today. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, jumping on. We'll get to a little bit of bomber talk, a little Jets offseason, and Mike's night at Canada Life Centre last night for WWE Raw. I know many of you are uh, in the chat were there last night. Let us know what you, you think. Sound off in the comments, as they say. Let us know about the evening. Um, we're also going to go to Edmonton. I was literally going to do a little CFL talk, talk to Dustin Nielsen about what is up with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, his memories of last Thursday's wild comeback win in Edmonton, and a look ahead to uh, this game on Friday night between the Bombers and the Calgary Stampeders. Don't forget, official watch party, Hooters, 8 p.m. We'll see you there. Um, and then Victor Kui, uh left the club. And uh, Listen, we normally wouldn't talk about personnel moves of other CFL teams, but this Edmonton situation is just so fascinating for a number of reasons, not to mention the, the train wreck that is their season on the field. We'll get to that in a little bit with Dustin Nielsen as well. And then later on in the program, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, Alex Adams is going to join us, and Alex has been covering Canada's basketball team, the senior men's national team, as they head out to the FIBA World Cup. Now, this is important for two reasons. Number one, this is the best team Canada has ever put together. Now, Jamal Murray's up in the air as to whether he's going to be able or will be playing. But as far as the talent Canada has, there's never been a group assembled like this before. And if Canada can qualify for the Olympics next year, with the talent that this country has, Canada is going to be, you know, a significant force on the world scene. Uh, so we're going to get to that. And Alex is actually traveling to Jakarta in Indonesia to cover it and is going to join us from overseas as well once the team gets going. But it's going to be a little bit of a primer for the upcoming FIBA World Cup. We'll talk a little bit more about the Canadian team, how the tournament works, and what is at stake for Canada. So should be a real fun show today. We'll get to some picks for Assiniboia Downs a little later on. Jay's back in action tonight with my guy Kikuchi on the hill. We'll get to the cool bet lines. Um, but of course, we will talk bombers and many bombers represented last night at the squared circle for WWE Raw. Just before we do that and bring Michael Remus in, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this program happen every day. Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs in the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, BP Royal Sports, Consolidated Supply, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health. F Apparel and Nick and Nicky DQ, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Modern Man Barber Shops, and our friend Zad Aquatech. Michael Remus, what is up? And welcome to everybody in chat. Great to see you all. Yeah, what's going on? I'm uh, pumped to be here Tuesday, feeling pretty good. So we didn't even have a NHL trade just before the show. So we do have a number of topics to get to, but... Thanks for having me on. This should be a fun one. Looking forward to hearing that primer on Canada at the world. Yeah, you, you know, that, um, you know, I think with basketball, I mean, this sort of was the summer of hoops in Winnipeg. I mean, with the uh, with the Sea Bears, and you can see how popular this sport is. And, I mean, listen, with, uh, you know, this started, you know, 25 years ago with the Raptors and Vince Carter, and now we're seeing, you know, young 
people that grew up, um, you know, with a pro basketball team to pay attention to and follow and watch. Um, we're turning into a bit of a basketball factory, as has been demonstrated in many recent NBA drafts. And, of course, Jamal Murray as a guy along with the Joker holding up that NBA championship, the Larry O.B., as Kawhi uh, Leonard used to call it um, in, uh, in a bit. So, yeah, we're going to have a fun little hoops chat later on in the program. But why don't we quickly, and we can talk more with Mike when um, we t hit Jet stuff, but we do have a little bit of fresh news. We have a trade to announce. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, figure all this out here, but the like the reasoning behind all this, but the Canadians who acquired Jeff Petrie last week in the Eric Carlson trade, they've now traded Jeff Petrie to the Detroit Red Wings for defenseman Gustav Lindstrom and a conditional fourth-round pick in 2025. The interesting part to me is the Canadians retaining 50% of Jeff Petrie's salary. And I'm trying to think, like, why they would just acquire him to trade him away and retain the salary. I mean, I don't know much about Gustav Lindstrom, but they do get a conditional fourth. So I think the Canadians are just trying to get out and acquire as many picks as they can. Um, like, they, the biggest thing they got in that Carlson trade was, um, well, they got Casey to Smith and a second-round pick and also... Uh, Nathan Lagare. Um, so arguably I, the biggest thing they got in that Kenny in that Sharks trade was Mike Hoffman off the book. They got that too, but they've kind of look. They so they had. Oh, I guess Jeff Petrie's salary what was only one point five, and so they just retained seven hundred fifty thousand. So that's actually nothing. So I mean, I don't know. They kind of made out even acquiring what acquiring Petrie and Casey DeSmith and then eating it. Although they got rid of Rem, they traded Rem Pitlick too. So it looks like they're just trying to stockpile picks and shed some salary. Well, I, listen, there's a lot of teams. I mean, the Jets are a perfect example of that. There's probably a player or two they would love to trade for a pick. Someone dangled a second round pick to Kevin Sheveldayoff for a group, and I won't even start naming off the names. There'd probably be a bunch of guys that would be on the way. It's the contracts that get in the way of all of this. And um, and this goes back to the conversation with Josh Yoey last week about when Kyle Dubas took over. There was three contracts that they were looking to move. Petrie, Yan Ruda, and Granlund. All three of those players left in the uh, in the trade. And listen, uh, you know, there was obviously... Like, they had to move a bunch of money if they were going to get Eric Carlson in and pay him $10 million a season. San Jose didn't have to eat more money in the in going forward, but they had to bring on Granlin. They had to bring on Mike Kaufman. So I mean, there was a there was an opportunity cost for the Sharks to get that first round pick and get Eric Carlson off the books. And I'm not sure it's going to make it much cheaper or any cheaper for them at least this year. They don't have the four year term anymore. And for Montreal, who is still somewhat in this rebuild phase, um, it was pretty clear that Mike Hoffman didn't fit and they wanted to move him out. They certainly were looking forward to getting that second-round pick. And, um, you know, they've sort of shuffled some deck chairs, shuffled some salary, but come out with a pick. And Steve Eiserman takes advantage of the situation and gets Jeff Petrie on a relatively inexpensive salary. And, uh, they get a and you know, Montreal gets a defenseman in Lidstrom who, in all likelihood, is going to be a, you know, 
kind of a depth guy. I mean, a guy he played 36 games last year, was never, wasn't in the minors, played 63 the year before for the Detroit Red Wings. I like you, not very quite familiar with Gustav Lindstrom. I think you, you, if you see, you see a Detroit defenseman named Lindstrom and you immediately think of Nick Lindstrom, this is not that guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, I mean, Kent Hughes, I'll be honest, I am impressed with what Kent Hughes has uh, has done. Did not go and way overpay for Pierre-Luc Dubois, although they didn't get him, and he's now a Los Angeles king. But I do think that Montreal is sort of set in the next couple of years to, you know, to really take that next step. But I don't think it's this year. And I do wonder how patient Habs fans will be. This has been a little while since they've been a competitive team, although they did have that miracle run to the cup final um, a couple years ago that maybe has bought the organization a little bit more time. Yeah, I'm just looking at their draft picks right now that they have the next couple seasons here. And thank you to Cap Friendly, what they got a second. They got one first this year right now. You wonder if that changes two first next year, but they got what, two seconds this year, 2024, and then a next draft. Two thirds. No, they only have one second because their own second. Oh, sorry, they traded it. Will My... be utilized by the Winnipeg Jets. Thank you very much. That was the uh, that was the pick that came over as a part of the oh. uh, the PLD trade. Sorry, I can't read. Yes, that is that pick is actually grayed out. Yes, you're correct. So they've uh, what a first, a second, two thirds. So they really don't have that many more picks this year. But in 2025, they do have two firsts, two seconds, and now two fourths. So. That could be a big draft for them, and I'm sure they'll be active around the trade deadline acquiring uh, acquiring some more picks. Like, what UFAs do they have? Mm, sorry, they don't really have Casey DeSmith. They don't really have any uh, any big UFAs coming up, so maybe they won't be as active. We'll have to see. <laughs> well, I'm sure there'll be guys they'll be looking to get rid of. Christian Dvorak, um... Wow, Armia's got two more years at 3.4. We've heard yeah. that they were trying to get rid of him this year as well. Um, so, anyways, there's your there's your offseason. We have a trade to announce update. Uh, another minor deal in the uh, National Hockey League, but uh, the Montreal Canadiens very active once again, and this sort of the, uh, the, the, the post-deal after that big three-teamer yeah. last week. Let uh, me just uh, clarify that, Peachy, because I could have been reading... It wrong. He's on the books for, yeah, two point four. Th- I think I was reading cap friendly incorrect. The retained. I'm got uh, some numbers mixed up. So he's on the books for two point three four three on cap friendly, and Montreal is going to be eating. Where is it? Sorry, I'm I'm doing a visual. Fifty percent of that. Yeah, what's Montreal eating? Do they have it retaining? They're eating two point three four three. Okay, so I mix. I'm mixed up some numbers there okay anyways so that's what it was they're each eating 2.3 and i guess the 1.75 is or whatever it was pittsburgh has that yeah and and i mean like the deal that the 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 contract that was the uh the most punitive one that they wanted to get rid of was mike hoffman who is making four and a half million dollars for the sharks although he is a ufa you look at the sharks team Kevin LeBanc, 4.7. Hoffman, 4.5. Duclair, 3. Alexander Barabanov at 2.5. Oscar Lindblom at 2.5. All on expiring contracts. So, I mean, Mike 
Mike Greer is pretty much going to be open for business from day one of the season. But look for as many of those guys as there are takers for to get moved to the deadline as uh, San Jose looks to be a certainly a contender for a high lottery pick next uh, next season. And, of course, Eric Carlson now with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, let's get to the Bombers. And, again, we'll talk a little bit more Bombers with Dustin Nielsen after we get to the Edmonton situation and Mike McIntyre as well. But the team practiced again today, and once again, Remo, Zach Caleros was not leading the first-team offense. And I think at this point now, two days into the week with the game on Friday, I think it's quite reasonable to expect Drew Brown to be the starting quarterback for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Friday night in Calgary. Yeah, I would pencil in Drew Brown right now. I guess tomorrow would be the final day, but uh seems like... They're they're comfortable going with him. Zach out there two days ago. They listed him on the injury report yesterday with a neck injury, which is interesting because Drew Walatarski, uh, he f- was a full participant after leaving uh, the game against Edmonton, and his injury was listed as head, which was suspected by uh, many who watched the game. So, uh, look, we saw we've seen Drew Brown in action a couple times, um, but at the end of last season. Uh, at the beginning when he led that game-winning drive, and now this year. And I think if you're a bomb, you know, following the Bombers, you should feel confident with Drew Brown behind uh, center, and they're playing up against uh, Calgary. I don't know, has Cool Bet adjusted the lines for this potential quarterback, or has it been off the board because we're not really sure? No, it's on the board right now, and the Bombers are seven-point favorites. Okay. And, I mean, I think if it is Drew Brown, I think we have to... We probably have to couch the expectations a little bit. I mean, guy came in and played his ass off and obviously led the team back from a 22-point deficit. It was against the Elks. So we do need to maybe take that with a grain of salt, although we've seen him lead the team back and win a big game in game one of last season. Um, it will be interesting to see how he does it. You would think that with a week of practice with the ones – he'd be in an even better position to uh, to succeed. Bottom line is for the Bombers, this is about winning this football game. Maybe for those of us that uh, like to sprinkle, you're worried about can they win by seven or more, but I guarantee you, if you ask Mike O'Shea, that, hey, you can come back with a win, be more than fine with that. I, I believe, is it Calgary the, the following week here? Is this a home-and-home home with them? Yeah, Calgary, yeah, in Calgary, and then Calgary here the following Thursday. I'm looking forward to being in attendance for that. So maybe they're saving Zach for the home game, but being cautious and he's on, you know, on the field, but just not in uniform. I want to see this video of Jeff Hamilton taking some, some video here. <laughs> right on hammer with the eyewitness at news. And by the way, Craig uh, Smith saying worried about Caleros concussion. I was too. They've categorized it as a neck injury. So that that listen, you don't want to say, oh, he injured his neck. I mean, that on the surface doesn't sound good, but I would be far more worried if they had said that Zach Caleros is out with a concussion, considering the issues that he's had with those prior to coming to to Winnipeg. Yeah, people are saying it's Montreal next week. Oh, I, maybe I got mixed up. It's Montreal. I sorry, I it's Montreal the game. Week. I thought it was Calgary. You're right there with like a lot of a lot of information so far today. I'm up very off today. Look, it's summer. Uh, it is Montreal next week. 
It's uh, it's summer. Um, I don't know, man. We had a trade right before. I'm trying to get the information. And we're going live. Yeah, I got it. Okay, that's two so, yeah, strikes Thursday, for me. That's one. An, one more Thursday I'm out. game. Another Thursday game, August 24th. That is Montreal, so it's not a home and home against Calgary. It is a home and home the week after against the Riders. Labor Day Classic on the third, Banjo Bowl on the ninth, and uh, the Bombers actually do play against the Stamps in the final game of the regular season. Uh, in I guess what's that week 21 of the of the year. Um, but man, just looking at this bomber schedule, like my eyes immediately go to October sixth, bombers at Lions. If things go as we expect, that is gonna be um the game probably for the West. And again, it won't matter whether one team is a game up or a game behind. A win will I mean a win will give that team the tiebreaker. Um so you got to hold serve right now. We'll be paying attention to what BC's doing week in and week out. And I guess the other game that I'm really excited about, speaking of home games, is uh, September 29th, a week, the week prior on a Friday night. We finally get to see Andrew Harris come back and play against the Bombers as a member of the Toronto Argonauts. And, I, and, and honestly, when you look at the landscape of the CFL right now, Remus, I mean, there's really three teams. Hey, listen, we'll say Montreal has sort of shown that they belong, and they certainly seem to be clear of the uh, rest of the league. But these three teams, uh, it would be a shock if it wasn't the Argos and either the Bombers and the Lions in the Grey Cup at this point. And that's going to be a pretty wild eight days with the Argos coming here and then the biggest game of the year, Bombers at Lions on the 6th of October in BC Place. Shout out to the Bombers website. They have the schedule here, Huss, for people who are listening. You can just click on it and again. Gives you a nice countdown till uh, when Lay the next on. game is. So you're just talking about, we should just have this permanently on the screen. Winnipeg at BC, 52 days, 7 hours, 36 minutes away from that October 6th game. But I agree, there's pretty clear that there's three premier teams in the CFL right now. Winnipeg, BC, Toronto, and you'd like to think, or you'd imagine it'll be you know, two of those three in the Grey Cup. Hopefully it is the Bombers there. I know Hamilton just announced a lot of the festivities, too, for the what biggest Grey Cup ever, whatever they were calling it. So uh, exciting stuff there. Well, it better be good because it doesn't look the Ticat like the Ticats are going to be participating the way they're going this season. Although it is the CFL. We're only halfway through. Anything can uh, Anything can happen. But just quickly, speaking of the Bombers, Remo, well represented last night at WWE Raw. Yeah, well, first of all, this Raw, like, being featured on Raw, how many people watch Raw? A couple million for sure. There were some nice little featurettes they had. They're like, we're in Winnipeg, Canada, showing, you know, pictures, uh, montages of the Jets, and really nice view of the concourse there when it was Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch going at it on the uh, merch table, uh, banging their heads into it. Pretty cool, but as... Uh, Trish Stratus's arms were raised. Got a great view of, there it is, Willie Jefferson and Stanley <laughs> Bryan in the background uh, repping the Winnipeg jersey. And I follow, you know, if you follow him on Instagram, Rashid Bailey was there, uh, Brady Oliveira, and a number of other uh, players taking in Ross. So what, they've been at the Sea Bears game as a group, now at, uh, now at Raw? 
having a great it's a great time to be a bomber has I just and I have no idea how that works. I mean, whether they get some people and say, "Hey, we want to have a few people in the concourse when this happens," because basically it was the middle of a match. It spilled out of the ring. Then they started fighting, going up the rows in between section one nineteen and one twenty. And next thing you know, that they were out, and obviously for everybody inside the arena. In the seating zone, they had the cameras that show you what had happened. But the match actually ended out there, as you can see. Mm-hmm. The Canadian, the legend, Trish Stratus, still bringing it, um, having her hand raised. And then right in the back, there's Willie J and Stanley. And by the way, shout out to Stanley. I got that same Gold Eyes jersey, one of my favorites, the one that just has Winnipeg across the front. Looks so good. Willie never missing an opportunity to flex in front of the camera. And uh, the guys were having a great time. So you would have thought that they were potentially planted there. It certainly made for an amazing shot for people that watched it back after the fact or were watching live on TV. I think even some of the players were watching it on the Jumbotron. I saw on, um, like, maybe Brady or Rashid uh, Bailey's Insta story that they were, like, shocked to see them. So uh, I'm not sure, but that, I mean, it's pretty awesome. And. Look, they had the nice fight there at the on the concourse. I think they should probably put a plaque there outside section 120 where Trish Stratus <laughs> got slammed into the wall. Or at least put something commemorative on that hand sanitizer dispenser that was also used as a weapon. So uh, I think pretty memorable event there last night at Canada Life Center. I love it. Now, Schickster had a comment on how oh, was that women... Is that Hardrick? Not Brian. Am I wrong again? Oh, is that Jamarcus? I'm an idiot. Yeah, it is. That would have been. Uh, that or is that? Uh, we'll see. It's. I got it. I'm hanging it up for today, Huss. I'm done. <laughs> um, now there was a uh, uh, Schickster was there, and Schickster's often worked at the event, but did say that they were there were two women that uh, spontaneously started fighting, and then they took it to the concourse. And I yeah. wasn't sure whether he was talking about. Here it is. Craziest part of the night, a couple women spontaneously started fighting in front of me. We tried to contain them, but they broke three and took the fight to the concourse. I'm assuming that he's talking about Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch, but um, but potentially uh, potentially not. Um, it was uh, anyways. It was fun. And give us your thoughts on uh, on it uh, for everybody that went there. Love to hear the uh, the feedback on the big event last night and. Uh, Obviously, arena looked good. It seemed like it was a great crowd last night. A lot of people had a good time, especially the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, all right, we are going to head out to Edmonton, and Dustin Nielsen's going to join us. Big shakeup in the front office of the Elks. No wins. And uh, also his thoughts on the Bombers' crazy win last week and a look ahead to Friday against the Calgary Stampeders, and then Mike McIntyre is going to jump on with us. Um, before we do that, though, Big shout out to our friends at Modern Man Barber Shops. Of course, Modern Man now with eight locations in the city of Winnipeg, including two new locations on either Pembina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man Barber Shops has you covered, guys, with a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look. Online by a modernmanbarber.com, make an appointment, or and also check them out on Instagram and give them a follow there 
at Modern Man Barbershops. Um, hey, we've still got some time left in this beautiful summer. You can still make 2023 the year you take the plunge with AquaTech. Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool and a whole home renovation start with AquaTech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let AquaTech upgrade any space in your home. Um, the uh, limited install dates are left. So visit AquaTech in-store or online to learn how they can make your in-ground or above-ground pool dreams a reality. More info available at aqua-tech.ca. Um, we still got some couple great weekends left heading into the Labor Day weekend, where, of course, many of you will be taking on the uh, a trip out to Regina to see the Bombers and Riders. But in the meantime, you know for all of the fun stuff that's happening throughout the summer, you got to make sure you're powered up. And Manitoba Battery is your local option with the best prices and the best service in town to power your summer. Boats, ATVs, campers, you name it. Whatever you need a battery for, as obscure that it might be, Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery have it. And the best part about it is they're going to beat the pants off the big box stores with the best prices in town while shopping local. And they'll deliver it to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's that simple. Get on over to ManitobaBattery.com. Give them a phone call to get your order in or check them out online. Or you can pop by and see them in person if you do like uh, over on Logan Avenue at 1026 Logan Avenue. And um, listen, I know many of you are struggling with availability to your favorite liquors right now with this strike that's happening. If you haven't already tried it, may I suggest the delicious Canadian Club and Ginger Ale. Of course, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey is Canadian Club, proud sponsors of WST and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But CC and Ginger is now available in 473 milliliter cans. You can normally get them at the liquor marts, but when the liquor marts are closed, head on over to your local beer store. They've got those at vendors throughout the city as well, available singles, six packs, and more. And of course, both CC and CC and Ginger available at IG Field at that next Bomber game coming up against the Montreal Alouettes next week. Um, speaking of the Canadian Football League and the Bombers, lots going on right now in the league. Uh, great to welcome in the voice of the CFL on TSN and my partner in the lock shop, Dustin Nielsen, for the latest on the shakeup in the Elks front office and a look ahead to Friday in Calgary for the Blue and Gold. What's going on, buddy? Uh, no news I, here. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to get into uh, Bombers Elks, uh, what you saw calling that the rest of the week in the CFL, but uh, some pretty big news in Edmonton last night. I think we've all been expecting some changes to happen. I wasn't really expecting the president of the hockey, of the uh, football team yeah. to be the one that moved out. Um, about Victor Kui, how big of a shock is this in the community, and what do we know? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, with Farhan's tweet said they're parting ways, right? As opposed to firing him or he's leaving, they're they're parting ways, which I guess is a mutual way to say everybody's ready to move on at this point. So I I think for for those who may not be aware of the situation, I guess it's it's a little bit of a stunner because Victor has come in and and been a great promo man, right? Like he's 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 great. At promoting the team and, and trying to get out there. He speaks very well. And obviously he's tried very 
hard to, to sell the community on this club. But, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I've heard for probably a couple of months now that things hadn't been going too great within the walls of the of the Edmonton Elks. Um, and I don't I don't think this this firing, it sounds crazy to say it. And I mean, I guess it's not a firing if they're parting ways. Um, I, I don't think it has anything to do with their 0-9 record. I think it's Victor just hasn't been a great fit for for that position in Edmonton. And uh, they want to they want to move on and try to probably, I would think, bringing somebody who has ties to the organization to be president this time around. You know, uh, listen, I, I, I've felt for Victor. I mean, I've listened to him on your show, spoke with him once, I believe, early on. And, and it seemed like he was doing everything he could to yeah. ingratiate himself and the organization to the fans. I mean, he came in. Obviously, there was the name change that didn't go over well with a certain populace there in, in, in Edmonton and Alberta. And this team hasn't won a damn home game since 2019. I mean, he, pro- he probably never saw a t- the team win at home, did he? No, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. That, which is like Victor, Victor, when we first had him on, he came on our show when it existed back in the day. And I he heard just, that. Remember he dropped the AM nasties and like the inbox was like, he should be the commish. Like they were just, they were, they were loving it. And, and I think a lot of people still do. He's, I, I think in a perfect world, he's probably not meant to be the president of a CFL organization. He's meant to be their director of marketing. You know, I think that's probably where he would have been a better fit because we've heard stories that, you know, he's butted heads with the alumni, which you just can't do. I mean, that's, that's the one group of any group is still going to kind of be loyal to you through all of this. It would be it would be the alumni, um, and I know a few of those members have been extremely frustrated with where things are going. Obviously, I mean, if this is a parting of ways, um, you know, the board of directors may not be happy with things. The head of the board of directors is is a is a former player, so you know, it's an interesting way to see how this is going to work out. But um, it's just bizarre to me that we're sitting here and the team's zero and nine, and we're talking about a president leaving, and it's not related to the 0 and 9 start. Now, with that being said, we were just talking about it on a podcast. It's going to be released on the Nielsen Show podcast feed in just a little bit. But we were talking about it and uh yeah, what what would it be if they were 5 and 4 right now? Right? Like what would the vibe be around the organization? Would it be so miserable that they're like, well, you know, Victor's not a a right fit for the group. He's not a right fit for this time or would you say, "Hey, 5 and 4, things are really turning around," right? So, can it winning changes 100%? everything, man. Yeah, winning exactly. changes everything. I have a hard time believing. Like even if this was going to be the end result, I don't know if this sort of thing happens mid-season if the team has a few wins under his belt and has won a commonwealth. But they are where they are at 0-9. And, and, and I'll be honest, Dusty, I was thinking about this this morning before uh, knowing that you were going to come on today. This sort of does remind me about where the Bombers were 10 years ago. Okay. When Joe Mack essentially went scorched earth and destroyed this franchise from a football operations perspective. And that had really damaged, you know, the support in the community of the team. Albeit, much like Edmonton, there's still a lot of fans. I mean, there are people that are coming out. There are people that want they want a reason to support the club. And they weren't getting very many back then. And, I mean, let's face it, uh, Wade Miller has been the guy that has 
you know, kind of started and inspired all of this change from top to bottom in the organization, the way they do things at the top, the football operations product, and the way this team treats and handles its fans. And it's been a smashing success. And, and it was it was successful even before the team started winning. But when you put all that together, that's put the Bombers on the top of the league in many categories and really is sort of the model franchise. I can't help but think that this board needs to go and find somebody with ties to the Edmonton Elks that is an established business person in Edmonton and Northern Alberta that gets it that will really commit themselves to what is going to be in a lot of ways, I think not a quick and somewhat painful turnaround because yeah. this, this organization has too much history. Um, they have too much support despite what's happening right now to have things go this way. And um, I, I, I'm fascinated to see what the board does, what the, and, and frankly, where the league is at on all this, because make no mistake about it. The Edmonton, the Edmonton football team in the situation that they're in is a disaster for the Canadian Football League right now. It really is. Like, imagine how much stronger the league would be this year if the Elks were a, were a football team that was four wins. Four wins. It would it would put them in the mix. It's funny you mentioned, like, I, we were talking, when I was talking with the guys here today, um, we said, look at pinball in Toronto, right? You've got this guy who's a franchise legend, who's there heading things up. And now Omar Doma didn't play, but as a single owner of the BC Lions, you know, he's been able to go out and kind of connect with those people as well. Um, I, I think they have to have the one name that's been up there since before they hired Len Rhodes a decade ago is Sean Fleming, Sean Fleming. The problem with Sean Fleming is that he's too successful a businessman <laughs> to, to leave, to become president of the football team. Like if Sean Fleming was just a little bit less successful and didn't have a lot to, you know, to have to turn or turn away from, what does he do? He would be, well, he, I mean, he's, he's, he dabbles in a bunch of different things. He's, he's been extremely successful in, in business on a number of different levels. Um, so I, I think, I think in a perfect world, that would be the golden child and has ties to the you organization. Just Wade like, Miller. You just yeah, described well, that, Wade before he came on. I mean, he had pinnacle, he had his booster juice, he had the uh, elite physiotherapy and uh, their, their strain. I mean, he did have a lot of things in this community, um, and was able to continue doing those things or at least get good people to keep them going in the right direction. But really dive head first into fixing this situation. I guess at this point, Fleming just hasn't been uh, and, and listen, it takes a lot. I mean, to decide that you were going to do that, you need to really care. You need to yeah. really want that to happen because it's long hours. It's way more public than anything that he'll be doing in his other businesses. And if things don't go well, you might end up like Victor Kui. Yeah. Well, it's weird. Like Victor had not even two years. I mean, he's hired January, 2022. It's not even January, 2024 yet. And it just shows how dysfunctional the entire organization is. Like we've heard that, you know, there are staff members in significant roles that are out on leave right now. Like this is the middle of the season. So it's that, that simply, that simply can't happen. So they need to have somebody in place that a knows what they're doing has ties to the organization in the city uh, and C is committed for the long term, which I don't know if that person outside of Sean Fleming exists. I know there's a lot of alumni in this market who would love to be that guy and try to do that. But, you know, do they have the, the connections and 
and you know the level of status that you would need to become the president of the Edmonton Elks. I'm not too sure, but I know there's a passionate group of alumni who really want to see this thing turn around. They kind of just need a front man to to sort of emerge. So it's going to be very fascinating, and it's not going to be something that all of a sudden, you know, let's say they officially part ways today, and and all of a sudden next week there's a new president. Like this is probably going to be an off season task. They just can't go out and hire some headhunter company in Toronto to say, hey, go find us a president. Like you can't bring in a Chris Preston from the United States again. Like you went through that. That poor guy got saddled with a pandemic and having to change the name on a rebrand. Like <laughs> that was it. Like that's all he did. So that was that was a tough pill to swallow. But once again, that was done by somebody out of the market. If you're going to have success in the Canadian Football League, I truly believe that you have to have people who are tied tied to the market. It's just it's not rocket science. That's just how it probably has to work that being said it's pro sports and it's about wins and losses and they haven't done any winning we're halfway to the perfect season um but dusty can they get a damn win they're well, in <laughs> hamilton this weekend <laughs> and will and they home, home, to to ottawa, home to ottawa and then the back-to-backs with calgary i was with i was meeting with somebody yesterday afternoon and when we were leaving he was like hey maybe we get to call an elks win here at some point and i foolishly said Maybe they win three of their next four, <laughs> which it sounds absolutely insane. But uh, I don't know. Trey Ford actually, man, doing that game, I, I can't imagine like Bombers fans. <laughs> like we're sitting there, and when it was twenty-two nothing, I was like, man, they just they can't let them score any points before the half. Like you just, it can't, it's just, it's not even, not even trying to slight the Elks. That's just a Bombers thing. You, you can't let Drew Brown come in and put together an all-time performance, which the kid did. He was, he was phenomenal. So it was just fitting that their 22nd consecutive loss was a 22, nothing blown lead. Like it's just, <laughs> it's amazing to me. And yeah, I want to see this market here have success with their football team. But that's a, that's a crazy story right now. Well, and we were saying, you know, geez, how do you get over this one? Well, how do you get over blowing it on a rouge? How do you get yeah. over the, <laughs> The goal well, line stand well, against well, the Riders. Well, we we said that today on the, the Elks emergency pod we recorded. We said, you know what? Maybe we're not even having this conversation of Kai Loxley can punch one in from the one-yard line with four minutes left in the first game of the season. You know? It's just it's crazy. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, just quickly back to Thursday night from, yeah. um, I mean, you were in the booth calling the game. At what point, <laughs> I mean, you said that you can't let them get any points. Well, they did. At what point in the second half did you realize that <laughs> this is number 22? I don't even think it was the second half because they didn't they have a field goal right at the end of the first half that made it, it twenty two ten. I think that was it when they got that three <laughs> points. I was just you know, we in halftime. I was like, oh man, like you've already they've cut the lead in half already, and they got you know a couple more quarters. And then that game was, I mean, they almost for covered. Me, it was it, well, yeah, they did, which was insane. Um, but the plays in that game, like the Kalaris throwing the pick and I lost my mind. And then the Kenny Lawler one-handed catch. And after the game, he's like, it's routine. I'm like, come on, man. Like, I know you're amazing, but that's not a routine play. That's a top 10 catch of the year type of play. So, and Brown was extremely impressive. I didn't, I didn't mind Trey Ford's game either. Like I thought Trey Ford looked pretty good to be honest with you. You know what the moment was, I guess, let's say, let's say it wasn't when they put up 10 and you're like, uh, let's see what happens. They hit that deep shot down the field for 53 yards to Dylan Mitchell and then fumbled on the very next play because they were trying to go in a hurry-up offense because I think they thought maybe yeah. they challenged the catch. And Kevin Brown fumbled. And then the Bombers drove the field and scored a touchdown of like an 80, 85-yard drive or whatever. Drove the field. That was it. That was the moment. If I had to point to one moment, because if they even put three more on there, there's no panic. They're like, okay, and things are going to be bad. And they still might not have been all right. But 
Uh, that that fumble from Brown, we had, he had a nice game, had that one big run, but that fumble from Brown would probably have been that point. Hey, uh, uh, before we go, I'm sure you're going to be back in the booth for uh, Bomber Stamps on uh, Friday night. Yes, I am. Flying to Calgary late on Thursday, call that game, and then fly to Regina on Saturday for the uh, Riders and Lions on Sunday. So, Just give us, uh, I, I mean, just thoughts heading into the game of where Calgary is right now. We know where Winnipeg is. Zach didn't play, but, but I mean, I think regardless yeah. of whether it's Caleros or Drew Brown, the offense will have some uh, some confidence. It doesn't seem like there's been a lot of confidence within that Calgary offense for pretty much this entire season. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was weird, though, because like seven games in, Jake was second in the league in passing yards, right? They, they were throwing the ball down the field, but he had 11 interceptions. Now they've gone the other way. They're not throwing the ball down the field at all, but he's not turning it over. So there's a fine line here that they're going to have to figure out at some point because I've done the last two Stampeders games. They've got a lot of great pieces. Their running game is ridiculous. Kadeem Carey and Diedrich Mills are probably the best one-two punch in the Canadian Football League. Um, but they just do not throw the ball downfield. And I don't know how you're going to have success against the Bombers if you're just trying to throw six-yard outs the entire time. So maybe that Calgary offense has something up their sleeve, um, but it's just been very conservative. for the last. Now, with that being said, their conservative approach beat the Argos. So that was big. But the conservative approach last week did not work at all in any way. So it's an interesting strategy, and, and we'll see if they continue to go with it. Dusty, great having you on the program. I'll look forward to seeing you in the lock shop this week, and uh, I'll look forward to seeing you, LTE, Gazola, Iwanek, and the entire crew when uh, EST gets going in early September. Take it easy, buddy. Yep, see you later, man. All right, good stuff with Dusty. Um, Looking forward to that game Friday night. Uh, And speaking of that Friday night game, the official Bombers watch party is happening at Hooters Friday night. Um, so uh, come on down. We'll kind of be a little bit of an impromptu um, little watch party for the WST gang. Looking forward to getting out there and invite you all to join. Uh, after every quarter, there's going to be draws for uh, swag bags and uh, tickets as well. Bomber alumni going to be there. I believe a couple of the cheerleaders. And uh, at each table... If you're a WST group, mention Winnipeg Sports Stock, and I think they'll give you a starter size of those fried pickles. So it should be great. Kickoff's at 8.30. I, I, I think there's going to be a real good crowd for this, so I would recommend getting there 7.30 or actually even before. Uh, but it um, should be a lot of fun. And uh, there's going to be Cruise Light specials at the game or uh, all night as well. And uh, hopefully we will see what looks like Drew Brown leading the Bombers to another big win as they try to stay on top. But uh, Friday night, Bomber Watch Party, Hooters, we will see you there. Um, So Mike McIntyre is coming up right away. Um, Hey, folks, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, get on over to Vita Health Fresh Market with same-day local delivery online at myvita.ca if you order by 11 a.m. And right now, if you sign up for their promotional emails, you will receive an offer for 15% off your next online order at myvita.ca. It's all there on the website. Um, and, of course, if, you, if you're looking for amazing grass-fed bison and beef steaks for your barbecue, pick those up at Vita Health. And you can wash those down with Sober Carpenter Beer or Santa Cruz Lemonade. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations. 
and online at myvita.ca. Uh, Wallace and Wallace is Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist, always busy throughout the summer, but even more so as the uh, sponsors of the World Police and Fire Games with all the temporary fencing for that event, as well as the uh, dog run for the Gold Eyes Bark at the Park on the weekend. If you do have any needs for temporary fencing, Wallace and Wallace are the leaders in that. They'll take care of that. Fences for your home, of course, and any garage door openings. They do have the largest selection of garage doors. A perfect fit for your home will be in there somewhere as the Clopay dealer in Manitoba. Hit them up, 452-2700. They can give you a free estimate and come out and see your property. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to the showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Fellas, how is the closet looking heading into fall and the new seasons? If you do need to upgrade that menswear game a little bit, there's only one place to go, and that is F Apparel at 190 Smith Street downtown. F Apparel custom makes suits for you that'll look great, fit even better, and do it at a great price with with um, their suits, custom suits beginning at 400 bucks. Uh, they've also got shirts, both tucked and untucked styles to go with any outfit, uh, golf pants, chinos, and more, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. And if you are in a wedding party, talk to the F gang about getting the boys done up for the big day so you can wear those beautiful suits beyond the weekend and not return them like you would a rented tux. Um, find out more, 190 Smith Street downtown or online, and you can also make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And just before we bring in Mike, a big shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ. They've been busy with this beautiful summer that we've had. Oh, there's nothing better to take that summer day to the next level with one of the new summer blizzard flavors or the amazing DQ ice cream treats. And of course, if you do want to, DQ ice cream cake or blizzard cake for an upcoming event. You can hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Send them a picture. They'll do it up as you want. And for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ in Niverville. All right. Fresh off a night with the stars of world wrestling entertainment, Mike McIntyre joins us and Mike, this must have been fun for you. You actually managed to squeeze a column out of your night at wrestling. And at the bottom of the column, it does say that you wanted to be a professional wrestler, but you had to settle for being a scribe. Uh, you have a good time or what? I had a, had a great time, Huss. It's funny, the uh, security guards at Canada Life Centre who know me too well when they saw me come through the media entrance last night, they're like are you just here to get like a free seat to watch wrestling? Or are you actually here to work? And I was like, well, a little bit of both, but I am working. I am going to write about it there. Thanks for that. Remus uh, dream come <laughs> true. Huss to see my name up on the, uh, on the jumbotron and 10,000 people cheering for McIntyre. Little did I realize that it wasn't for me. It was from my, my cousin, my distant cousin. I'm sure we're related somehow. I've got uh, family that traces back to uh, Scotland where Drew McIntyre, same spelling, slightly different physique, I must say. <laughs> um, 
Uh, and he, he also carries a big sword. What do they say? The the pen is mightier than the sword. He carries a sword. <laughs> I wield a pen. Um, probably not quite as intimidating as uh, as Drew McIntyre. But uh, yeah, it was a fun night. I mean, I've been to a few of these now. Um, you know, Winnipeg's a great wrestling city. Going back, as I wrote in the column, all the way to the days of the old AWA. I remember going to shows uh, when I was just a kid at the old Winnipeg Arena watching the AWA. And then, of course, Vince McMahon's creation has kind of become king. And WWE's come our way now a few times. You know, they they, they always come here. Usually, though, it's just for the, uh, the so-called arena shows. But they've now done, I believe this is their third television show, uh, two Raws and a SmackDown over the last, like, four years or so, which I think speaks to this market um you know it was they pretty much sold every available seat last night that was great um and yeah it's it's always a production you know it's it's funny to see a three-hour televised event play out in real time because there's so much just waiting right every time they go to commercial the action more or less stops but they do find ways to keep the crowd uh, in the arena entertained um, but, you know, it's always funny to watch a wrestler make his or her big entrance and then have to, like, spend 10 minutes just soaking in that entrance. It's like listening to a Kenny Weeb uh, answer um, because they're Shots a commercial. And then they, That's a then chair they, shot. It is a chair shot. They come back from commercial and then they're backstage segments. And uh, But, you know, I always love I'm a sucker. I love the bad guys, the heels, if you will. And I, I love nothing more than when they take shots at the local market. I know it's the so-called cheap heat. My two favorites from last night, Huss, if you'll entertain me for another minute on this. Dominic Mysterio, who might be the most hated villain right now in it's WWE. Amazing. The son of Rey Mysterio. It, for those who don't follow wrestling, they, they had they have this great story going where Dominic Mysterio was feuding with his dad and he was attacking his dad at like all kinds of family gatherings at Thanksgiving last year at Christmas. And after I believe it was the Christmas attack, he got hauled away by authorities in storyline, spent one night in the county jail. And then they turned that into him acting as if he's like a hardened con, complete with the teardrop tattoo. Um, and he is the North American champion, and he had the, a great line last night where he comes out and says, I just learned that that Winnipeg and Canada are in North America, so I guess I'm the champion of this dump, <laughs> which, which was great. And then you had uh, Gunther. He's from Germany, and he's one of my favorites, too. He's quite the uh, imposing character. He's the intercontinental champion, and in fact... He's on the cusp of breaking the honky-tonk man's all-time record for the longest reigning intercontinental champ. I think he just has a couple more months to go. Speaking of, well, not not chair shots, guitar smashes. Uh, And he came out and said uh, that he always loves, as a European, he loves coming to Canada. And he said, but then I walked around your city for a few hours today and saw all of your faces and now I know why this is known as the armpit of Canada is what he had to say about Winnipeg. 
No, that was that was a nice. I, I think it was was it Bobby Heenan or someone. They had this great great line when you know you were doing those things where you're giving it to the to the local fans. Yeah, said you know what? If we were gonna give this country or give the world an enema, we'd be sticking the tube right here in Winnipeg. I mean, listen, they, if. <laughs> <laughs> if you get it, you get it. And I mean, there is a lot of great, uh, a great humor involved in all of it. Um, but man, the wrestling ga- game is big time hot right it's, now. I mean, you, you've got hot. the AEW, which was here before, and I yep. think is going to be coming back. Obviously, WWE business is massive right now. And it is interesting how it has sort of it was the one thing that never stopped throughout the pandemic, even though it cost them a lot of money. They were doing it in empty buildings for a long time and tried a bunch of different ways because the crowd is so integral to oh. the event. Um, but the business is in a good spot right now. And obviously Winnipeg is showing out that it is a great market for it coming back. And um, good representation by a number of the bombers as well last night. I mean, saw that. Yeah. The, uh, and the, the, uh, the arena got a good showing on TV. I don't know if, if folks out there, if the, one of the matches last night was uh, Tris Stratus, the Canadian against Becky Lynch, and the fight between them it was a big blow-off grudge match. Actually spilled into the crowd and then into the concourse, uh, and they were they actually utilized like the merchandise and concession stands. Like Trish Stratus was behind the counter of them, and there's fans all in the concourse. I think it was right outside section 120 and 121. And she's like throwing T-shirts and and other paraphernalia. Um, so yeah, they uh, they they gave uh, Winnipeg a good uh, you know. And, and this show, I mean, for people who say ah, it's wrestling, um, there's like 180 countries around the world that aired WWE Monday Night Raw, and we're talking like tens of millions of viewers every week that tune in. Like it is, it, it's not an understatement to say that more people would have been exposed to Winnipeg through this broadcast last night than any Jets game or really anything that could be broadcast out of here. Like that's how big globally pro wrestling well, is. It's funny you say that. I mean, we've often had conversations on the air, off the air about who are like, who are the most famous Winnipeggers? Who are the biggest Winnipeg exports? And, you know, you think of some of the athletes that we've had, some of the musicians. I- I'm serious. I think Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, yeah. I mean, is light year. I mean, Chris Jericho goes to Australia. He goes to India. He goes to Europe. I mean, everyone knows who Chris Jericho is because, I mean, the millions of people around the world that watch this uh, sort of event. Yes, there's the spot outside 119-120, and Remus is already petitioning for a special plaque to be put up <laughs> in the concourse to commemorate Canadian Trish Stratus's win. Listen, I've always been a huge fan of Trish Stratus. She's still got it, Mike. Uh, it pretty does. amazing to see her back doing this, you know, well into her 40s and still looking as good as she ever has. Although she wears, she's she's the uh, heel now, right now. She's the bad guy, the bad gal, if you will. So she's milking a, a fictitious broken nose for about three months now. <laughs> Uh, and so she wears a full face mask while she wrestles uh, because she's she another, you know, wrestling shtick is where you just milk an injury. That's what the the heels do all the time. Right. Um, by the way, you mentioned Chris Jericho and for all the dumping on Winnipeg, Chris Jericho may have provided one of the greatest lines of all time. When back when he was in WWE, you probably remember it. It was on a, a wrestling show 
some fan was trash talking him and said something like, you know, go back to the U.S. where you came from. And Chris Jericho and the cameras caught him. He turned around and said, I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot. And uh, and that I think there's like T-shirts and everything with the that. The best part about that was actually he was telling him to go back to Toronto. Go back to the right. Sorry. And, and, and the fact that, you know, Jericho made a point of saying, no, 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 I'm not from Toronto. I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot. Got to tie I mean, that in as that well. That should be on our welcome signs, right? I know yeah. we, like I'm from I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot. Or maybe on our license plates. <laughs> um, it, it, maybe it's a little too wordy, but yeah, it's, you know, it's great stuff. It's, it's obviously scripted and they, they make sure the WWE does a great job making sure the fans go home happy. So the show ends last night with, with the good guys, you know, Seth Rollins, Sami Zayn obliterated through a table. Then the camera cuts cause the show is over. Sami Zayn, like within two minutes has popped up, grabbed a microphone singing the praises of Winnipeg, sends everyone home happy. Um, sorry, Cody Rhodes was the other guy that was laid out. And Cody Rhodes, he spends all kinds of time after the show. He's posing for selfies. If you look around Twitter, it seems like everyone at the show last night got a selfie with Cody Rhodes. Like, the guy gets it. He is kind of the face right now, uh, the son of the late, great Dusty Rhodes. So, yeah, it's a great, uh, great night out, and I'm sure they will be back um, you know, in short order, because uh, Winnipeg is a great wrestling market, as you mentioned. No doubt about it. Well, you can check Mike's uh, Mike's column in the Winnipeg Free Press. Hard-hitting investigative but, journalism. By the way, you just said, you know, Drew McIntyre has the sword. You have the pen. Serious question. When was the last time you used a pen for anything more than, like, filling out an application, a post-it note? Like, do you still ever use pens? Last time I used a pen was out like to take notes in an interview was when I was on the crime beat back in because you couldn't record things inside courtrooms. So, I mean, I, I actually was a really good shorthand note taker through like a couple decades of perfecting that. But yeah, once I moved to sports in 2016, and it's funny you mentioned that, Huss, last night when I was coming through security, there was a waiver that someone had to sign a photographer and someone said, does anyone have a pen? And I said, I think I got one. Hang on. And I checked my bag. I didn't even have a pen. Uh, so you're right. It's uh, it, it's more like the uh, the notes app or whatever that uh, that we use, the the recording app. That's kind of our go to tool. Um, you know, the old saying, the pen is mightier than the sword. Well, the pen is more or less extinct these days in the world of journalism. Uh, Mike, let's get to uh... Let's get to the Jets offseason for a minute. I heard Dave Pagnotta today uh, on, um, I think it was 960 in Calgary, jumping on with the morning guys. And, you know, again, there's not a lot happening right now. They were kicking tires on, you know, this Boston situation. Yeah, Krejci um, now adding to the retirement list. Yeah, the yeah. and I mean, the you holes. know, they were kind of talking about the the the, Lind, uh, the Elias Lindholm situation. And, you know, Pagnotta said that, you know, he has shown – an inclination that he like you know he would be willing to stay but it's going to be an eight-year deal and it's going to probably be in and around nine million bucks he also mentioned that he wouldn't be surprised or does expect that you know around training camp the Bruins to circle back and potentially re-engage the Winnipeg Jets on the status of Mark Shifley um, do you think that this can change at all? I, and again, I keep going back to what the hell are the Bruins going to give the Winnipeg Jets as long right. as Hellebuck is on the team that makes sense for them to move Mark Shifley? 
Yeah, I think you and I, uh, we talked at one point, you know, we threw Jake DeBrus name out there as a as a good Western Canadian boy with some term that, you know, potentially could be of interest to the he Jets. He no term. That's the thing. Right. Sorry, if he were to sign, if they were to extend him, and, and put, yeah. that would have to be a condition, just like Shifley would not have. But the expectation, if you're going to move Shifley there, that he'd sign an extension. And if you're getting a return like a DeBrusque, You'd want an extension in place or else if you're the Jets, it makes no sense. But you're right. I mean, the Swayman, Swayman makes a lot of sense if there is a need for a new number one goaltender. But that's where the Connor Hellebuck situation kind of intersects with the Shifley situation. You know, it's funny, Huss, going back to last night and going to wrestling. So we come in, the media entrance is, uh, is gate four. Uh, and so as I'm walking towards gate four, it looks like there's some new artwork on the side of the arena who are the two players jets players it's advertising for the jets store of course the two players that are prominently featured that i i see as i'm approaching the gate mark shifley honor hellebuck so if one or both of those guys is being moved in the near future the memo has clearly not gone down to oh, whoever by the way mike you just needed to go a little bit closer to portage because there's three panels. The other one's Dubois. Oh, well, I guess they haven't gotten around <laughs> to taking that down just yet. Uh, it's not quite like uh, Elon Musk and Twitter when he quickly took the bird down and hey, put the X up. I will say this. I had a meeting at the Jets office last week, and I was in you know, the new offices. Yep. And uh, they've got a similar thing with three players in the office. And the dealers... It's Kyle Connor and it's Cole Perfetti. Do with that what you will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I would think if you're the Jets and you're marketing, I, I, there was a video I think that was put out earlier this year by the Jets, kind of a hype video. And if I recall, there was no showing of this was before the Wheeler buyout and the Dubois trade. I don't believe Wheeler, Shifley, or Dubois were in that video. I can't recall if Hellebuck was, but you're right. I mean, the Jets would be wise to kind of market on guys they know are here, at least for the next few years. Guys like, you know, like you mentioned, Perfetti, Ehlers, Josh Morrissey, Adam Lowry. I, I do suspect, Haas, another story we don't really talk about much. Uh, are the Jets going to name a captain? Um, and, and I would think they will uh, before the season starts. Rick Bonus now has a full year of seeing what this group is all about. And I got to think he's looking to name a captain. And one would think that Josh Morrissey and Adam Lowry are probably neck and neck as, <laughs> as the favorites. You know what? And Remo, if you can get a poll ready, this is a perfect time to do this. Uh, they've been waiting to do this. Why not question of the day for not Autocorp overly Waverly and McGilvery for a little while. And now I'm glad you brought it up. It's the perfect <laughs> the time. Door. Here we are. We're a month out from training camp or so. Who's the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets, assuming that it's named in the next couple months for the start of the season? Is it Adam Lowry or it's Josh Morrissey? It's only two options. I, I don't think that there's anybody else that we could possibly think would be in the mix for that. Did you, did you have uh, so would this Would this city melt down if, if the Jets delivered a Mark Shifley extension along with the letter C to him in a month or so from now? I mean... I don't think there's any chance of that happening. And my goodness, if it did, a lot of questions I think would have to be asked. But he is, he has worn an A for a number of years, including last year. Um, 
And are you trying? Are you trying to get me going? Aren't you? I I, I can see you. Like you know, we've been doing a, a very bit, good but... job with not talking about this, not having it dominate the program. Listen, I, I guess there's always a possibility that maybe because of the market, the contract, what's out there for Shifley, that they extend because he's a valuable and important player and obviously can score. There's less than zero chance that he's the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Let me go on the record right now saying that. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're talking odds, for sure, there's there's a chance of, of an extension with Mark Shifley, and I think it's still a very remote limb chance. I, I got to think there's no chance. You know, maybe he keeps the A, maybe. Although... You know, I wonder if Rick Bonus reevaluates that, whether he's just here for one more year or part of the year or lots of years. I do wonder if there's a changing of the guard. We know Rick Bonus, he's not afraid to make what might be perceived as a tough decision. He made it with Blake Wheeler. Um, could he possibly do the same with Mark, uh, Mark Shifley? Could he strip him of the A, even if Shifley sticks around? Should he? I think based on some of what we saw last year, you could make a strong argument that Mark Shifley and maybe Mark Shifley doesn't even want to be part of the leadership group anymore. You know, we certainly saw he didn't want to talk sometimes when the going got tough, including when he got benched in Carolina and kind of blew all the media off. So you're right. I, I think it's down to Lowry and, and Morrissey. And personally, I think Josh Morrissey probably, I don't want to influence how folks vote, I think Josh Morrissey would probably have the edge in that department. Um, it's you know, close, what, though. Like, it is to me, close. To me, it's 51-49 or 55-45. Yeah. Like, I thought it was Josh Morrissey for sure midway through the season uh, while Adam Lowry was struggling. But, I mean, let's rewind to the last 15 games of the season, to the Jets getting into the playoffs. Yeah. Adam Lowry was argu arguably their best player. He was scoring, and then he was a complete handful in the uh, in the playoffs as well. And Adam Lowry has a history of, I mean, stepping up for his teammates, taking on guys that nobody else would want to do that. Like, there is an element of Adam Lowry sure. that makes guys on his team a little bit taller, a little bit stronger, and I think that also plays into it. I, I'll say this for the record. I don't think they can go wrong either way. No. And and I oh, think and both of those two guys are, are real leaders, are yeah. actual leaders that if the other guy is chosen, that they'll be there lockstep with those guys, supporting them, doing things for the team. Um, well, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and the other thing with those two guys, they're not just leaders on the ice, in the room, they're leaders in the community. I mean, we don't have to list them all off, but Adam Lowry and Josh Morrissey, they're probably, they probably, the two of them probably do more, you know, charitable work, community work. Blake Wheeler, to his credit, did a lot of that. Absolutely. And, you know, it's why he was nominated a few times uh, by the team uh, for his community work. But, you know, Morrissey and Lowry, uh, they get it for sure. Um, you know, they get what the role of being, an NHL hockey player in a market like Winnipeg is all about. So I, I got to think, Huss, we don't go into a second season without a captain. I, I have to think that that matter gets addressed at least in training camp, if not before training camp, um, you know, just to, to make it official. So it will be interesting to see. But 
you know, going back to Shifley and the Bruins, you know, that's a connection that I don't think is going away anytime soon because the Bruins are coming off a historic regular season and they've been absolutely gutted by, you know, two big retirements in Bergeron and Krejci. They traded Taylor Hall. They didn't get Bertuzzi back. They didn't get Orlov back. Like, they are, if you look at the Bruins roster right now, it's hard to suggest they're anything more than a wild card contender. And I got to think coming off the year they just had that they're not willing to take that big a step back. Another thing they now have is, is some significant cap space. But going back to your point, Huss, in terms of assets, what do they have that if the Jets want to remain competitive in this way, satisfies both teams and I don't know the answer beyond say Jeremy Swayman who isn't really a solution to anything if Connor Hellebuck sticks around of course Hellebuck you know I go back to what we've talked about in the past if I had to to wager who is more likely to be gone for sure in a year from now or if not sooner Shifley or Hellebuck I would say it's Connor Hellebuck I think that as as remote as it might be I still think there's a greater chance that Mark Shifley sticks around than there is Connor Hellebuck because I think Hellebuck's made up his mind and I don't think it's personal. I just think he wants to go play in the U.S. like a lot of American players have. We've seen that before. Um, And I think that eventually he's going to get there one way or the other, whether it's through a trade now, a trade at the deadline, or free agency next summer. Yeah, um, and, and listen, I mean, it all I, I, it keeps coming back to me um, how this team plays early on in the season could very well have some big effects on what happens moving forward. I mean, the bottom line is if you're a very competitive team, which the Jets have wanted to be, yeah. and they have said they wanted to be, and that is why, let's not forget, that they were aggressively marketing Mark Shifley at the beginning of this offseason. Now, listen, I think it was way too late for that. I think that if they had done that earlier, they probably would have avoided some of the issues that they'd had internally and probably would have had more of a market for him and been able to pull off a deal. But it is what it is. I mean, they had been planning on doing that. But the key was that they were trying to create a market not for a first-round pick and some other stuff, like to bring players back that might have a little more term, much like the Dubois deal. Yep. which I think they did successfully, and that just wasn't there. They still want to have players that are able to produce for them. And if the market for Mark Shifley is what it was in the offseason moving forward, things change quickly, though, with injuries and whatnot. Um, it, it becomes that much more difficult to trade him, even if they're going to run it out at the end of the season I think they can definitely look back at a player that they drafted, had a great career here. They maxed out the value of that contract and he walked away. That does, though, put you in a big hole in the next season or two with having to fill that spot without anything coming back for it. It does. And, you know, so for those who say, well, they can't lose the player for nothing, it, it's it's not nothing, right? Getting, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can, but I also would argue that you're not losing them for nothing. You, you got significant value if we're talking Connor Hellebuck for example you've gotten great value more than you could have dreamed of out of a fifth round draft pick um and so you know you can't just ignore all that that player has contributed 
you're also, you know, you're getting cap space if you're not retaining that player, which you could potentially try to weaponize, whether it was through a, a free agent signing or in a trade. So you're not totally losing a player for nothing. But I get the, the gist of the argument that it, it would it would sting when you're a team that has trouble attracting marquee free agents to lose, you know, your number one and your number one center and not get any tangible return would sting. No question about it. Um, you know, one thing I do wonder with Connor Hellebuck, and to me, it's a storyline that that will be fun to follow here in in the early part of the season. If you're the Jets, no question you are hoping that Lauren Brassois fulfills his own kind of proclamation that he believes he can be a bona fide number one. And, and he didn't say just a starting goalie in this league. He said one of the best starting goalies in this league. And you know what? There was a, a spell, asked the Vegas Golden Knights, towards the end of last season where Lauren Brassois looked like a guy who had the potential to be a qual- they gave him the ball mainly because of injuries, and he absolutely ran with it, led them to the top of the Western Conference. If you're the Jets, I mean, I, I guess a, a really interesting development and an encouraging one would be Lauren Brassois gets more starts than a traditional backup in this market has gotten under Connor Hellebuck. And when he gets the net, he plays like your next number one guy. And if that were to be the case, it could certainly soften the blow if you will of potentially moving Connor Hellebuck in season but not kind of pulling the shoot on the season if you're the Jets and you're in a favorable position which I think is one of the arguments that we kind of wonder how do you do that if you're the Jets if you're in a playoff spot how do you then trade your number one guy well maybe Lauren Brassois announces himself as kind of a 1B guy as the season goes on and if you're the Jets, you would love to see that happen, I suspect. The funny thing about that scenario, Mike, is that, I mean, as long as Connor Hellebuck is the number one goalie for this team and they're trying to be competitive and every single point matters, I don't know. Listen, I I, I personally don't expect Connor Hellebuck to get a lesser workload this year. He's I'm a not... workhorse. He gives you yeah. your best chance to win every night. That's the job to do, and I don't think that's going to change. I'm not saying we get a Swayman Allmark job shared like the Bruins pulled off, you know, where those guys were almost alternating games, or a, one guy would play twice and then the other guy. But I do think Huss, you know, look at last season, and again, the Jets, um, they, they were in a fight to obviously just keep their playoff spot. So, like David Riddick barely saw the net the last two months of the year. It was Connor Hellebuck show. Earlier in the year, sure, they were giving him like one start a week or one every 10 days. I just think, I, I mean, I guess I could be proven wrong. I, I think Lauren Brassois is going to play more than Eric Comrie and David Riddick did. And I think that that's going to go for early in the season. So is it two out of every five games, three out of every eight? Um, I, I could see a scenario. Now, again, if performance obviously has to have something to do with it. If Brassois gets in there his first few games and gets lit up, then obviously you have to reevaluate. I just think early in the year, it would not shock me to see the Jets lean on Lorne Brassois, regardless of whether the schedule calls for it or not. I just think they're going to want to see what they have in him 
and, you know, what that potentially means for this team going forward. And you kind of can't get an answer to that question unless you play them, right? You know, someone is in chat is asking if you're trying to sell us on keeping both of those players till the end of the season, losing them for nothing and that not being a bad thing. I know that's not as what you're saying. No, I, I, again, I said it would be, uh, it would be, I don't know if disastrous is the word. Look at the Calgary Flames. They they watch Johnny Gaudreau walk for nothing. And, you know, that potentially is going to set that look at where they were a year ago and then where they were last year and more questions now and other players wanting out. It's a mess. Um, but so, think about how good that team was. Like, like hey, let's go back because it's so easy to do revisionist history. Yeah. Johnny Gaudreau was on the number one line in the National in Hockey, Hockey League. That team, if I recall, was first place in their division and was thought to be a legit Stanley Cup contender. How the hell do you trade Johnny Gaudreau at the deadline that year? I mean, if anything, this goes back to figuring out things earlier and it's no different with Mark Scheifele. Like once you get into this position, there's kind of no turning back, right? If you, if you suck, no problem. Yeah. I mean, those players you could argue might have an even greater value at the deadline because teams don't need to keep them for the first part of the year the problem is though if you if you achieve what you set out to do at the start of the year and that is compete and that is to be a team that has a chip and a chair in the playoffs and has a chance to win the stanley cup it becomes so damn hard to do what is in the long-term best interest of the of, of the franchise but at the same time that season like the present matters well and and as much as hockey executives, way more than coaches and players, of course, want to keep an eye on the future, um, you can forgive anyone for not getting caught up in the moment, especially when things are going well. So you're right. I mean, if you were to go back and ask the Flames, you know, how would they have handled that differently? I don't think they would say, well, we would have traded them at the deadline and abandoned what was potentially a Stanley Cup season. They'd probably say if we knew this was going to be the outcome, and I think there was still some hope that Johnny Goudreau would would sign an extension, but if they knew that was going to be the outcome, they would have traded him before the season began, which takes us to the Winnipeg Jets. And we believe the Jets already know that Connor Hellebuck is not going to sign an extension here. We think that that's probably the case with Mark Shifley as well, and Maybe the organization, in addition to Shifley, is feeling kind of the same way. In that sense, it might almost be mutual. But so here we are, and are they going to start the season with those guys? And like you said, Huss, if things go bad, it's a pretty easy decision to make. You, you pull the plug, and you, you rebuild, you retool. But if things are going well, then you now are setting yourself up for all kinds of second-guessing down the road because you've kind of boxed yourself into a corner, right? And, do you know, I, I, one thing I wonder with the Jets is, did the return for Pierre-Luc Dubois, the fact that, you know, I think we all agree it looks on paper, we haven't seen anybody play games yet, certainly on paper it looks like the Jets got a very nice return. The fact they got three players for one that they can throw right into their lineup, and, you know, on paper again, it looks like the Jets have more forward depth going into this season, especially when you add in Niederreiter and Nemestikov and hopefully a healthy Perfetti. 
Um, does that change the approach at all with Mark Shifley? When, you know, you now evaluate what you have in your forward group, you back off. If you were, if you were so dead set on, we got to get a legitimate roster player who can help us immediately. If you look at your roster and say, maybe we could absorb something a little longer term, more of a, a prospect or a, a high draft pick. I, and I don't know the answer to that. I just wonder if the return from Dubois has in any way influenced or will influence the ask or the expected return on Shifley. Well, if Gabriel Velarde can play center and put up 30 goals, I mean, then probably, yeah. But the thing is, you were already replacing Dubois as well. Right. Like, this wasn't like that was the return for a defenseman. No, that's <laughs> you true. Know? I mean, that was that other thing. By the way, uh, are you asking me who should be the second-line center? Because I've got a, an 18-minute <laughs> answer prepared. <laughs> we maxed out on that topic for a very long, long time. So we're just looking at the poll for the why not question of the day. Who's going to be the next captain? Seven people have said other. I'm not sure whether they're just having fun with us. But as far as the Morrissey v. Lowry, Morrissey is 44%. Adam Lowry's 49%. And I think that if we had done this same poll, shall we say February, beginning after of the March? Saint, after the St. Louis game with Josh Morrissey? <laughs> well, it would have been 100%. <laughs> Morrissey. I'm pretty sure I went on the air the next day and said, you know what? What are we waiting for? Right. Slap the damn C on the guy's <laughs> shirt right now. Um, but it is a two horse race. And, you know, as we've been having this conversation, it has got me thinking. Listen, Rick Bonus came in and made the move of stripping the C off Blake Wheeler for a reason. Uh, and it was to to kind of move on because uh, listen, it didn't work in a lot of ways. We saw how that ended and They've ended up. They ended up buying Blake Wheeler out. But again, like this, like everything you heard about the Jets, it's not just one guy. And I mean, no one was you know more linked to to, to Blake and a lot of these issues than Mark Shifley. Part of me thinks that there's no chance that they would kind of poke the bear. He's going into his last season. They weren't able to trade him. If he's here to take that A off of his jersey, but I'm sure that if it was just okay, Rick. Pick the guys you think are the best for your leadership group. I'd also be positive that he wouldn't be part of that group. So if he's going to be leaving at some point, whatever, I guess you can just sort of wait for it. But I think dogs lie as the expression goes. Yeah, I guess. I mean, in some ways, I think they're going to turn the get, get the keys to 44 and 17 those guys are going to be the undisputed leaders of the team, along with you know some of the other guys that have been here for a while that I think have been a good influence in that locker room. And a guy like Nino Niederreiter, who just got here, but now he's only got one more year as well, and we don't know. He says, he told me this summer, he'd love to extend in Winnipeg, but we'll see what happens. But there's a guy that certainly oozes leadership qualities, uh, and you know whether he gets a letter or just an unofficial member. So you're right, the Jets have some guys that can certainly fill that role, uh, it, it would be – I'm more inclined to say the Jets just wait till the Shifley situation. If it's not resolved, you know, at the start of the season, he probably just keeps the A kind of de facto for now, and then they deal with it if and when he's gone. But, um, yeah, I mean, leadership, look, it's it's a big topic around this team, right? And the reason it's a big topic isn't just because of the Wheeler situation how that played out. It's what we've seen from this group time and time again and how 
you know, it's 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 like this group can't get out of its own way at times in the way it plays, the lack of maturity seemingly it displays on the ice and and coaches losing their minds over the team. So I think until we see uh, a more consistent effort night in and night out, there's always going to be leadership talk surrounding this organization. And maybe, you know, Blake Wheeler moving on and maybe Mark Shifley joining him soon, that might quiet it. But I think until we kind of see tangible results, it will continue to be kind of a hot topic around this group. Yeah, I'll say this. I mean, assuming that um, it's status quo going into training camp, those first media sessions with uh, all the guys see. that uh, were talking on the way out would be fascinating. And obviously, Rick Bonus. I-, I can't wait to see what Rick did in the offseason. And we knew when he got the job, he was in contact quite a bit with all of the players. I mean, yeah. there was a few guys with their feelings hurt at the end of the season. So uh, you wonder whether uh, Rick was able to uh, pick up the phone or maybe smooth some of that over. Because that the last thing you want is any of the stench of Game Five and what happened as the team bowed out of the playoffs before anybody else in the Stanley Cup tournament did, and that final media day with the with the club. I mean, you want that to be in the so far in the rearview mirror that no one even remembers it, Mike. Oh, agreed. And again, Rick Bonus, this is not his first rodeo. I suspect. Uh, any ruffled feathers uh, have probably been uh, smoothed over at this point. And, you know, I think we'll hear all kinds of talk about, you know, a fresh start, clean slate, all the rah, rah, rah. Um, but until this team kind of hits the ice and the games start counting for real, uh, I think all of us will, at least in the back of our mind, there'll be that little seed of doubt, just wondering, uh, you know, just how this is going to play out. Which makes for makes for interesting times for those of us in the uh, the Jets talk business. No question about it. Ruffled feathers 2.0. Let's go. Oh <laughs> the my sequel, god! Yeah. Just you mentioned ruffled feathers. I'm just laughing, but um, let's hope the feathers are flying together in formation in the right direction, and nothing is ruffled when we get to uh, get to training camp. Mike, great chat as always. Uh, Get back there to the dungeon and keep training on your suplexes. <laughs> Will do, Huss. Thanks very much. Enjoy the week. <laughs> uh, there's Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press. Fun chat. Uh, hey, great to see everyone in here. Hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already. And make sure you are subscribed to Winnipeg Sports Talk here on YouTube by hitting that red button. Uh, mentioned the bomb reviewing party on Friday. Uh, we also have to say, speaking of the bombers, that game against the Alouettes not the Stamps, as I originally thought, next Thursday is uh, the Princess Auto game. Now, Princess Auto welcomes everyone to the Princess Auto tailgate zone before every game. Two hours beforehand, 350 hot dogs, 350 pop, $5 beers, great entertainment. It is the place to go. And I have a feeling for the Princess Auto game sponsorship, there'll be some, some swag around there, probably a few contests, so definitely make a point of getting there early of course princess auto proud sponsors of wst and the blue and gold and the place where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at princess auto pop by and see what one of two winnipeg locations or shop online 24 7 365 at princessauto.com still thinking about some work on your property before the snow flies, folks. Consolidated Supply can help you with just about everything. 
If you've got irrigation needs, they are the leaders in irrigation systems. You want to ditch the grass and put artificial turf in, maybe that dream putting green in the backyard, they've got that for you as well. And heck, whether you're on the golf course, industrial needs, or just bombing around a campsite, new and used golf carts, the best selection is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. They've also got other great options for your property, including hot tub spas and amazing outdoor kitchen options. Pop by and see them. Consolidated Supply, their showroom, open to the public at 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more on their website at cte.ca. Well, it was fun talking Jets there, and I am looking forward to seeing the new members of the Winnipeg Jets. Of course, the numbers are done. You can get your new jersey at Royal Sports right now. You can also get ready for the rest of Bomber season. And shout out to our pal Gitch. Gitch is going to the game in Calgary on Friday. And uh, got a pick of him, popped in, got a beautiful Bomber sideline hoodie at Royal Sports and got the Bomber WST hat that uh, he'll be rocking. We'll get a pick on the show on, on Friday. And anytime people are repping the Bombers and WST on the road, send us a picture. We'll definitely have some love for you. But Royal Sports has you covered. And, of course, NFL season coming up. All the new merch coming in by the day. And hockey season is just about here. And I know a lot of people are already on the ice Royal is the hockey superstore for over 40 years locally owned in Winnipeg. It's all at one spot, 750 Pembina Highway, the real sports superstore, Royal Sports, and make sure to give them a follow on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pembina. Jay's back in action tonight. No better place to get together with the gang and watch the ball game than your local Boston pizza Kikuchi, my guy on the mound. We'll get to the lines a little later on, but basically a dead heat. I think they've got one more win in the Philadelphia Phillies. So a big, big series for both teams getting going tonight. Uh, pop by your local BP, like Remo did after his hockey game last night. Ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. And if you're staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. Now, with the 12-hour difference from Jakarta, Indonesia, I'm not sure whether the timing will work out to get together with friends and watch Team Canada in the FIBA World Cup at Boston Pizza, but I do know, do know that we'll be paying close attention to it here in Canada. And Alex Adams from the uh, Behind the Play podcast is going to be heading out shortly to Indonesia to cover the event. Looking forward to having him join us um, from Indonesia for the latest on this team, but the excitement for Canadian basketball has never been higher. Arguably the best team Canada has ever put together and a lot on the line when the FIBA world cup gets going as it comes to, as it refers to Olympic qualification. So uh, before he heads to Indonesia, let's welcome in Alex Adams for the latest on the training camp the friendlies that the team is playing right now and the upcoming Canadian team at the World Cup of Basketball. Alex, it is great to have you on the program, man. Now, how are you doing? Great. Thanks so much for having me. A huge fan of the show and I uh, really appreciate you having me on. Well, we appreciate you and uh, I think our listeners and uh, viewers are going to be used to you because I wanted to get you on this week here in Canada. Yeah. Um because this is real exciting. You're going to be heading to Jakarta, Indonesia to follow, I think undoubtedly, the best team Canada has ever put on the court in a very, very big tournament for international basketball. 
Yeah, no, for sure. It's a huge tournament. It's uh, the FIBA World Cup. It, it starts on August 25th. And Canada, uh, it basically serves as a, for people that don't know, it serves as an Olympic qualifier. So the, the top two teams in the Americas, they say, from this tournament, uh, which is basically every team from North and South America, there's seven teams, top two at the end of the tournament make the Olympics. So it's it's a big tournament in and of itself, but it's also a huge tournament for, for Canada. And as you mentioned uh, just at the beginning, it's the most talented team Canada's ever had. They have Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who obviously was an all-star this year, all-NBA. Um, RJ Barrett, who's a really good player, has been playing amazing so far. They have Kelly Olynyk, Dylan Brooks, who's always, you know, has a lot of antics with his uh, with LeBron in the playoffs this year. So there's a lot of really good players on this team, and uh, it's it's going to be really fun because Canada's never really assembled everyone and most of their best players all at once. And uh, especially if Jamal Murray does in fact play, it'll be just a really, really talented and, and fun team to watch. Well, and, and you know what I mean? I think back to previous incarnations of this club. And I mean, listen, for years, there was a ton of drama around Andrew Wiggins, who was supposed to be the guy for Canada. And that certainly never panned out internationally, although he certainly kind of salvaged what's been a pretty damn good NBA career and got a championship. Uh, but there's been some major disappointments in the past yeah. for Canada when they were expected to qualify, when they were expected to be there, and it didn't happen. Um, you know, from following your reporting and others that have been around training camp, this seems to be as united a group and as focused a group on the job at hand than we've ever had at the international level for Team Canada. No, that that's definitely the case. I mean, we can start just with the family ties. I wrote about that at Raptors Republic today, but... Shea Gilgis-Alexander is literally his cousin, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's on the Minnesota Timberwolves. So they're cousins. They grew up together. They're, they're playing for Canada. It's, you know, obviously been a dream for them. R.J. Barrett's dad, Rowan Barrett's the GM, and he played for Canada. His R.J. Barrett's uh, god uh, uh, father is Steve Nash, so that's kind of a, a cool link. But there's a lot of ties. There's the Scrub brothers who played in, at Carleton for years who are on the team. So it's going to be a really united team. I was in at training camp in Toronto and everyone talked about how close this group was. And because they they finally have kind of coalesced all together, um, really with more prep time than past years, that it seems as though this team's going to be really kind of committed and, and united. And that obviously they're, they're pretty excited to finally show that Canada is like a kind of a basketball power that they haven't really been able to show on the world stage prior to. I guess, I mean, the biggest part before we even, you know, get to a game, get to a tournament is, I mean, you got to have the horses. And for the first time, I think really ever, just about everybody, as our NBA talent has exploded, um, seems to be all in on this. I mean, in the past, it sort of seemed like a lot of guys didn't care. or were getting pulled, kicking and streaming into doing it. This is very, very different. And I think these guys feel that this is the time to really truly put Canada on the map internationally when it comes to men's basketball and I, I mean what did you hear from the players when you were there for training camp because it certainly seemed like they have a belief that we've never heard before but frankly it's justified with what they've done in the NBA yeah I mean I think the the one thing was just how everyone said wow this group's talented that's like we we've never felt this kind of confident going into a tournament right um like in past tournaments they've had kind of a flurry of guys here and there but not really all together you mentioned andrew wiggins other than him there's not really many holdouts and 
yeah, it's just going to be really, really exciting to, to see all that much talent on, on the floor. And the thing is, if you look at just the teams and, and players that are going, like Giannis Antetokounmpo is not going, Nikola Jokic isn't going, Shea Gilgis-Alexander might be the best player in the tournament other than maybe Luka Doncic. Um, and Canada itself has the most amount of talent other than probably the U.S., just, you know, pound for pound. So it's just such a talented group, the most talented group that they've ever assembled. And if they can come together, as you said, and and they seem to be, and they've played well so far in, in the friendlies, there's definitely things they need to work on. Um, but uh, they definitely should be able to to really go deep in this tournament. You know, Gilgis Alexander's fascinating. And, you know, I got to give our pal Kirby Shep over at the U of M uh, a, uh, some dap because he's been telling me about this young guy for more than 10 years. And he, of course, spent a number of years coaching the junior team. And both mm-hmm. he and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, um, before they were even drafted, Kirby was saying, these guys are going to be good, but especially Shea. And now... I mean, he's probably the leader of this club. And, and maybe fill us in on what Jamar, Jamal Murray's status is right now. Because honestly, when you're putting this team together and you think of a backcourt with SGA and Jamal Murray, who was just seen winning an NBA championship for the Denver Nuggets, I, I mean, never mind, that's the best Canada's ever put forth. That might be the best in the tournament. Oh, it, it, it probably, other than maybe the U.S., you could quibble, but it'd definitely be the, the best backcourt in the tournament. I think as regards to Jamal Murray's status, um, he was very coy at the press conference. Uh, he kind of talked about how it's a process about co- playing for Canada. He'd love to play. It means a lot to him, but he didn't. He was pretty non-committal as into whether he's going to play. Now, Canada is right now in Spain. Uh, they were just in Germany for some pre-tournament games, and uh, I'm and Rowan Barrett talked about how the players have to play pre-tournament games or, or the friendlies for them to play in the World Cup. So if Jamal isn't there on Thursday when they play Spain, I think that's an indication. But as to just the availability of Jamal Murray now for Shea, just yeah, as you said, like all NBA first team is such an important. It means so much just in the NBA realm because it essentially means you're a top five player in the league, and that's just just such a valuable honor. He's only 25. He averaged 30 points a game, had a bunch of game winners throughout the year. And what he means is to this team is just because he committed. I think that's why so many guys have come up this summer is because, Hey, I'm not just playing with a couple of guys. I'm playing with an all-star in Shea Gilgis Alexander, who just makes everyone better. Everyone by all accounts, he's like a very humble superstar. There's not a drama like you see with James Harden or people wanting out like he's in OKC a small market and he's happy he loves to win he plays defense he does kind of all the things you want in a superstar and he's really nice he's a really affable guy Um, so he just I think his presence will really has really kind of brought a lot of confidence to this team and uh, it should be really exciting to see how he does in FIBA and um, and just in a different game and for his country. And, you know, just you know, before we get to the actual tournament, you mentioned Rowan Barrett. Um, you know, the Barrett family, I think, in a lot of ways, has sort of been the first family of Canadian basketball. And, you know, oh. we saw RJ, you know, develop into this incredible prospect and selected by the Knicks and has now really established himself in the NBA. But, I mean, that, that Barrett family, both on and off the court, are going to have fingerprints over what Canada does in Indonesia. Well, that's it's great that you said that because when Shea was talking about uh, RJ at the 
at the at the training camp in um, Toronto, he said RJ has no choice to play for Canada, which was quite funny. He just said, you know, he has to be here. So I think for him, it's it's not really a choice to play for Canada. He's basically suited up every time he's had the opportunity. He played in 2021. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a family affair for him and it means so much to him. Obviously his dad's the GM, uh, of Canada basketball and, uh, he's been playing really well on, on, in the first, in the last pre-tournament game, he went 13 to 14 from the, uh, from the field, like basically didn't miss a shot, uh, had the game tying layup, had the game winning shot as well in overtime against Germany. So it, it means a lot to him and he's really stepped up his game for Canada compared to the Knicks where he's been a bit more up and down. So he's been amazing for Canada and it'll be really fun. Hopefully they can do well and maybe see a, a medal around him and his dad or something like that. That'd be pretty cool. Alex Adams joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You can find him at the Behind the Play pod mm-hmm. as well as the uh, Raptors report. Getting ready for his trip out to Indonesia to cover the uh, 2023 FIBA World Cup which uh, has a lot riding on it for Canada. Let's get, well, first of all, the team was just in Germany. They're now in Spain while you go halfway across the world. Fill us (laughs) in on what this team is doing before we actually get to the 25th and the event begins. Yeah, so they were just in Germany. Um, They played Germany twice, who's a really good team. They have a a Raptors player in Dennis Schroeder, who's a really good FIBA player. They have a guy named Franz Wagner who plays for the Orlando Magic, who's a really good up-and-coming player. Uh, player and so they're a really good team and they lost the first game to to germany looked a bit dysfunctional they hadn't played together for a while or just really in a a competitive game as a complete unit and then beat new zealand quite handedly as they should shea played great and then uh germany obviously they played this crazy game canada roared back in the in the fourth quarter rj had a as i said a, a game time layup and and so they, they've looked okay their defense hasn't been great um their rebounding hasn't been great they haven't been shooting awesome but rj barrett's been phenomenal shea's been a bit up and down for his standards but still good so um kelly olenic's a fun player to watch and in FIBA basketball so um yeah it's it's been exciting and now they're in spain and they they play spain who's the number one team in the world they just played the u.s barely lost to them um and then they'll play the dominican as well um on the 17th against Spain and then the 18th against the Dominican. So those are the last two warm-up games probably for Canada. And then they play on the 25th against France, who's the reigning Olympic silver medalist. So a pretty tough uh, first game in the FIBA World Cup. By the way, folks, that uh, that site is Raptors Republic, not Raptors Report. And yeah. Raptors Republic is a way cooler name than Raptors Report. So yeah. apologies <laughs> on that, Alex. That's okay. Um so we're going to get there to Indonesia. You're going to be following these games. What is it stay like considering the previous disappointments? Um, like you'd love to win the tournament, but what is when it comes to the Olympics and being in it, knowing you're there, not have to go to any last chance qualifiers. Yep. What does Canada need to do in the next few weeks? Well, they really need to come together as a group. Uh, like the, the kind of the, the fault that this team's really had is that they don't have the chemistry because they're all these NBA guys, they shuffle in and out. So um, I think hopefully by the time the tournament starts, they've gained a bit of that chemistry and the talent really breeds or bleeds through. Um, And yeah, as I mentioned, they need to be the top two America's teams. I don't think they're going to outdo the U S and it's a bit difficult for Canada because they really, in the side of the draw, they really have the tougher side Um, in the second round. If they were to advance, they played Spain again, 
who's the number one ranked team in the world. Then they'd probably play Australia in the quarters. So it's a really tough side. While the problem is a lot of the other America's teams are on the other side where um, the just the level of competition isn't as, as strong. So it's going to be actually pretty hard for Canada because of the draw where they're just all these heavyweights are on their side because Canada's rankings lower because they haven't done as well um, in, in the tournament and, and just in international basketball of late. So it's going to be a really tough go for them, but they also have the talent where they can beat anyone in the world, right? Like it's not as though that like they have a chance against anyone. So it's going to be really fun. Um, I think if they are able to beat France in that first game, I'd feel pretty confident about this team making the Olympics. If, if they lose, it's going to be, a bit of a slog, but uh, it, it should be good, and, and we'll see how they do. Uh, what uh, What's the format of the tournament? I mean, are you in a group so where it's FIBA sort of like a World is Cup notoriously thing? really confusing? Um, <laughs> and uh, with with the place also, they they're in a group with Lebanon, Latvia, who's a pretty good team, Kristaps Porzingis, and France. The top two teams of that group make it to um, the second round, they call it, and they play the top two teams from Group G which includes Spain, Brazil, Iran, probably Spain and maybe Brazil. And then they become a group. So, for example, it would be Canada and France and then Spain and Brazil. And then they play each other. So Canada would play Spain and Brazil. And then um, and as well, France would as well. And then the top two teams from this new group then make the quarters. And then it's the quarters. So it's a bit simpler. You don't have to think about groups and point differential and win losses. It's just do you win. So... Um, that's kind of uh, how it how it's kind of goes, and then they'd be on the other side of the U.S., so they probably wouldn't play the states until the finals if if they are to make it. Look at this expert producing by uh, by Remo here. So we're in the Jakarta group. There's in Okinawa, two groups in Manila, and I mean that is is amazing. I mean we being here in Winnipeg with a massive Filipino community yeah. that absolutely loves basketball. I can't imagine how big this is going to be uh, back in the Philippines, and. Um, uh, and then it'll all come down to see what they can do in the elimination round. There's a lot to get to. This could be a real fun couple weeks, I think, for Canadian basketball fans. And the goal, of course, Alex, is to get this team through, have its best performance ever as a unit, and get some momentum going into the next year for what I think everyone is hoping is kind of the dawn of a yeah. new era and a golden age of Canadian basketball. Now that the Raptors are established for a couple years or a couple decades, and we're seeing what it's doing to the NBA. No, for sure. I mean, I think you said that perfectly. Just this, we felt as though there was going to be a dawn in, in 2015 when they lost to Venezuela for the men's team. The same thing happened in, in 2021 where they lost at the buzzer to Czech Republic or Czechia. Sorry. Um, They've just been so close. They're right there just to make a big breakthrough. And it finally, and it just never happened. So it finally feels as though this might be the moment for them. And as you said, with the Raptors, like Canada on paper with the talent in this country should be at least a top five country in the world in basketball. And and they haven't been. So hopefully we have that title shift. And I, I'm sure if they make the Olympics, um, I think a lot of eyeballs will be on that team because I think maybe guys like our, like, Andrew Wiggins might reconsider. I'm sure Jamal Murray will be there for sure. I think even more talent might be on that team because everyone wants to go to the Olympics, right? So um, it, it'll be really exciting, especially if they are to make it. And it should be a fun tournament for them too. And uh, I'm sure it'll be cool to see a lot of NBA guys finally uh, rep their, the, the jersey for Canada. 
Well, I, I, I'm excited for it. I mean, I always love these big international events. We've sort of been waiting for Canada to really arrive on the world stage, and uh, hopefully that's going to be overseas coming up. Uh, you, my friend, travel safely. We are so excited to uh, have you jumping on a few times from uh, from the event over in Indonesia. Should be a great experience, and I mean, obviously, an amazing tournament. Uh, and uh, and it's great to have someone with some Winnipeg ties as well, yep. folks. I mean, check out the behind the play pod. You've had a few Winnipeg uh, dudes on it. Hammer, uh, Murata, Tesh as well, and I think Scott Oak recently. Yeah, had Scott Oak uh, this morning. Uh, my dad grew up in Winnipeg. I'm a Jets fan and a Sens fan. It's a bit of a co- kind of. A- confluence but uh yeah huge jets fan so go jets go and uh all, i've been in winnipeg a lot of times to see family so my cousin as we were talking off air works for the jets so uh definitely a, a winnipegger at heart in some ways and uh really cool to to be on the show i really appreciate you inviting me on well listen it's been a pleasure and we'll look forward to doing it again when you're uh, overseas hopefully we can get a time that works because uh, as someone that spent two weeks over in qatar for the world cup that time difference when you're half around <laughs> the world is not kind but uh we will definitely make it work uh raptors awesome. republic is the site where you can see the uh, the written word behind the play podcast is there find it wherever you get your favorite pods and uh alex will catch up with you in indonesia next week as uh Canada tries to uh, get off to a great start in the FIBA World Cup and eventually punch a ticket to the 2026 Olympics. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Right on. That was good stuff with Alex. And uh, yeah, you mentioned big Jets fan and actually a pretty loyal uh, viewer and listener of WST Um, uh, from the Ottawa area. I actually know his cousin. Uh, It's one degree of separation from anyone from Winnipeg, even if even if the tentacles spread far and wide across the country. But this tournament is going to be awesome. It's a great moment for Canada basketball. I think the expectations are more than we've ever seen before. And Alex being out in Indonesia is going to join us a couple times, uh, hopefully throughout the tournament, to keep tabs on what's going on with Team Canada. So thanks again for uh, his time today, jumping on the program. Um, all right, we got a, we got a few other things to do. First up, though, I'm going to give a shout-out to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Now, if you missed the first two Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Nights, do not miss the third one. We're just getting details on ticketing um, just to reserve spots, as we have done in the past. But I think we're going to be able to pull this off like we did the first episode. Everyone that was there had a great time out on the patio at Little Brown Jug, weather permitting. The date right now to throw into your phone is September 13th. We'll have details on tickets probably in the next week or so, uh, but would love to see you out there. And, of course, while the Liquor Commission's on sale, you should probably be getting down to Little Brown Jug anyways. Great way to support your local brewers is to get beer directly from them. Little Brown Jug is on William Avenue. You can get down there, enjoy that beautiful patio while the weather's so nice. And most importantly, try all the great beers, including some seasonal, amazing seasonal ones over at Little Brown Jug. Find out more at littlebrownjug.ca, as well as upcoming events, in addition to sports trivia with WST at littlebrownjug.ca. And they do deliver citywide. Uh, Shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake. What a great weekend we had a couple weeks ago. Already counting down the weeks until getting back there next year oh we got a hockey season bombers and everything like that but hey um because of the popularity of Aikens Lake how many international travelers or travelers are coming there 
They are booking well into 2024. So if you're thinking about a great corporate event or a friends and family event out at a place like uh, Aikens where you can be on the water in less than two hours, including the flight from Winnipeg, I'd suggest you get on it. Contact our pal Pitt at AkinsLake.com for more information on the upcoming season. Um, Gold Eyes back in action tonight, heading out on the road. And they'll be back next week. And obviously the season hasn't been great for the Gold Eyes, but man, what a weekend it was. Reggie Abercrombie night with the jersey retirement and the bobblehead on Friday was massive. And then uh, the Bark in the Park, I mean, one of the best days of the entire year. Weren't able to get the sweep against Fargo. Day off yesterday. Fish start a series now in Sioux City. Then on to Lincoln to take on the Salt Dogs for a four-gamer. And then back home on the 21st to take on Sioux Falls. Get to the Gold Eyes for their promo schedule. And uh, plan at least another trip or two to the ballpark before the end of the season. And as far as golf goes, it is. The Canadian Juniors going on right now. Um, but as far as the PGA Tour goes, it's the BMW Championship, the last event for PGA Tour stars to qualify for the Tour Championship and the final of the FedEx Cup. That's coming up. We'll hit that in the lock shop tomorrow. And, uh, of course, all of our golf reports brought to you by our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. If you're thinking about a long-term home on a, in a beautiful private course for you and your family, Breezy's the spot Get on the waiting list for 2024 now. Talk to our pal Corey Johnson over at the golf course or find out more online at breezybend.ca. Uh, all right, Reem. Let's uh, let's do some horse picks. Did you have any luck last night? I was all over it, around it, but uh, I invested a little bit too much in the triactors, so uh, it wasn't. Uh, it did not pay like it was the last couple of weeks. That being said. It's a new day, and I'm looking forward to uh, the track tonight. Yeah, I did not have any luck at all. Big offer for me at the track. Uh, all right, let's get to it. I have, what do we have here tonight? I have got race one, two, three, and then six and seven. So we may as well start off with race number one. Yeah, my who? Maybella, my horse, finished second, too. That's the one I'm always on. Uh, yes, of course. Maybella, a great season. I'm going with the appropriately named Happy Hour with one of the top jockeys, Antonio Whitehall. Happy Hour, my pick in race number one. I don't have anything in race one. I'm out. Let me get All right. my mouse. I'm Race out. number two? Race number two, I mean, how do we not bet on one of our favorite horses that is actually has paid in the past really slow with Ronaldo Cumberbatch on the thing. I got really slow to win in this seven horse race. I also am on really slow. That's one of my favorite horses. There's a couple uh, regulars for me in tonight that I makes me feel good. Although Maybella came up short, but Hey, second place. That's just got to put yourself in position to win. Yeah, you do. All right. Uh, when we get to race number three, I I rarely do this, but I am going with the chalk triactor box of the top three horses, mm -hmm. McKeg, Private Frank, and Crowned Royal. $6 wager, $1 six ways. I'm on McKeg to win. The other horse that's in here that I see frequently and that has won in the past, Del Vecchio, 
Uh, does have a win this year, but but this is uh, I'm I'm looking at the furlongs now. What what's a one M? This is a one M race. That's one mile. That's one mile, and Del Vecchio doesn't really race at one mile this year. One at five and a half furlongs, and then finished mostly near the bottom. Not a great year for Del Vecchio. Uh -huh. Although I'm just looking. Oh, sorry, that's going back. They they got two play. You know, first and a second and four races. My bad. Yeah, no, had a good one, but yeah, I mean, it is different. Sometimes the horses that dominated five and a half furlongs mm -hmm. just don't have the the endurance for a seven or seven and a half furlong race. So, um, do you have a, a race four or race five? I do have race four. I'm going horse six, White Rose Spirit. A bit of a long shot, us, but I felt like this race is a bit more wide open here. Race four, White Rose Spirit does have two wins. This year, this is a seven furlong race, and White Rose Spirit won at seven and a half furlongs last week. So I'm going with White Rose Spirit. A bit of a long shot, 12 to 1. I'm laying five bucks on that. Yeah, I don't mind that, actually. When you look at that, I mean, yeah. it, won, it won at seven and a half last week, was second at yeah. PM. That's a, that's a sketchy line. I don't know why White Rose Spirit wasn't at least one of the top three. That yep. being said, that being said, I thought I bet race four, and I accidentally double bet happy hour in race one. So, oh, that's a happy. I, that's a good accident. I better, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be the first time I doubled down on happy hour. Um, let's. Uh, uh, do you have anything for race five? Uh, race five. Let me just see. Fantasy mm. pros. Isaiah Pacheco, in case any of you were wondering. Oh, yeah, like, that uh, was. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at fantasy pros. Yeah, that was running man was asking about Isaiah Pacheco. I, know. Uh, I like, I like Pacheco. Keeper League. I li yeah, we, and by the way, we will have some fantasy experts on in the next couple weeks. I know we're going to be getting close to draft. And I want to talk some NFL, too, seeing what's happening around the league. But pretty much everyone's got a piece of a fantasy team in some way. And uh, this is the time to find out what's happening in these camps, how guys are looking, where they project to be. So we will certainly have some of that content in the uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, nothing in race five for you? No, nothing for me. All right, going to race six. I'm back on a triactor. Two, four, eight. Oh. Mr. McLean, totalizer. I'm avoiding the favorite, Mr. Dazzle. And I'm taking Kitan. Okay. Number eight, so two, four, eight. I have a very similar triactor box on this one. I have two, four, five. I'm going with the favorite, Mr. Dazzle, instead of uh, the long shot, Kitan. So, uh, so we're we're pretty similar. I can't under I can't understand why Mr. Dazzle is the favorite in this. Like his last race, he was six furlongs. Mm -hmm. He finished sixth. Mm -hmm. Race before five and a half, he finished fifth. The one before that, he finished fourth in a six and then did have a win on June 14th at five and a half furlongs um, and then wasn't very good at Woodbine either. So I, I, anyways, I don't get that. I'm fading Mr. Dazzle. Wow, Mr. That might, Dazzle. That might, blow up, uh, that might blow up in my face. And then for race seven, I just did a little exactor. Six, seven, exactor box, big ticket. And Mia's Majesty also fading the favorite Frank's reload six seven either way. You got anything on seven? Um, no, I think I'm done. What do I have? I got race 
two, three, four, and six. I think I said all mine. So there are picks tonight, and I've uh, I've overextended myself by accidentally betting happy hour twice. So it would mm-hmm. be very very nice if that uh, if that came through. Um, post time seven thirty. 6.45 on the Assiniboine Downs YouTube channel. Kirk and Stretch do a great job of breaking it all down with their picks, who are which are highly educated, as opposed to sometimes a few of the darts. Although we have we now know the horses pretty well doing this for three years, which has been a whole yeah. lot of fun. Okay, uh, And you can also watch it at uh, asdowns.com on the YouTube Rob channel. Rob Okay, Rob Noakes in chat has knows a thing or two about yes, the dance. Yes, yes, yes. Rob, is, what does Rob have to say? He says, Mr. Dazzle ran against better company. Uh, before he also says horses need more than seven days off but some circumstances warrant a quick turnaround interesting interesting that's good to know well uh i will say this um it it it's, I, I knew it was something like that from somebody smarter than us knowing that you know obviously the competition in those other races might have been not quite what, uh, or maybe better than what he's going up against tonight, because that nine to five opening line seemed a little strange, considering the recent results. Um, let's get to the cool bet lines. Jays are back in action tonight, man. Yesterday, I mean, if you weren't into wrestling, yesterday was one of the most dead days. Um, not even the Blue Jays playing last night. I think the Yankee game was on. Didn't really want to get into that. Sportsnet had like plays of the week on all night it seemed mm. and then later on i actually got sucked into the world tag challenge have you ever seen that <laughs> seen highlights it's actually pretty cool i mean i think those guys are like parkour yeah there's good obstacles parkour guys. and stuff in there yeah i've seen They're ripping around doing it anyways thankfully the jays are back and my guy kakuchi on the mound going up against zach wheeler Jays, a slight underdog, minus 101. Phillies, minus 111. And let's, I'm jumping on a pitching prop tonight for Cooch. What do we got here? Kikuchi pitching outs over under 17 and a half. So basically, need to get six innings in the books. I think I'm going to hit that at minus 115. And then my other pick that we were going to put together for the lock shop. Lock shop returns tomorrow, by the way is the Atlanta Braves over the Yankees by two. Run line, minus one and a half. And I'm going to take your Mariners against the Royals, Reem. Royals opened up the series with a win last night, but, I mean, aside from that seven or eight game heater they had about two weeks ago, the Royals don't win two in a row very often. And uh, I, the Mariners are a team that needs this game a lot more than Kansas City does, who are long since out of it. Seattle had about an eight-game win streak where they caught up to the Jays in the wild card. And you look at the wild card right now, they're two games back. They just lost two in a row. Um, or they had a really tough series with Baltimore, and yeah, lost yesterday. So they're looking to get back in the win column. I'm kind of hoping they do it. They've got really strong pitching. Who's on the mound for them tonight? Uh, e. Who Hancock. I'm not going to be honest, not too <laughs> With Emerson Ham- Hancock, he's pitched five innings this year against Jordan Lyle. So uh, we'll have to see how that one goes. And he's yeah, only given wild- up one run, but look at Lyle's record. It's uh, <laughs> Lyle, man. Good. Yeah, he's not not great. So six one three ERA. 
I, we haven't now it's going to start get to that um scoreboard watching or standings watching series um season in baseball uh midway through august the jays are in a wild card spot right now they're 12 games above 500 66 and 54 the rays are in the first spot the astros two back or three and a half back and two games ahead of the blue jays and then the blue jays and the mariners who we just talked about taking on kansas city two games back of toronto Red Sox three games back of Toronto. Yankees five and a half games back of Toronto. And the Angels, who went all out at the deadline, have won three of their last ten games and are seven games back and two games under five hundred oh, right now. What a bad move. And the other team that went hard at the deadline was San Diego. And they're six and a half back, too, in the National League. So these team, these fringe teams, like... The Angels and the Padres, who kind of went for it, it's not not looking good. And we're going to be on Otani watch here as when we get into the offseason. It's going to be fascinating what happens with him. Oh, my God. It's going to be wild. Uh, quickly to the CFL. Elks, Ticats, Thursday night. Five and a half point favorites are the Hamilton Tiger Cats. That just speaks to how brutal the Elks are because the Ticats have no business being that sort of favorite to anybody right now. Friday night's game, 8 o'clock p.m., big official bomber watch party down at Hooters. Coors Light specials all night, some prizes. We'll see you there. Bomber seven-point favorites in Calgary, which is a big number. Drew With Brown, a backup quarterback, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a backup quarterback that just lit up Edmonton the way that he did last week, I think it's given everyone a lot of confidence in it. But that still is a big, big number to lay if you're uh, if you're liking the Bombers. Bombers minus 312 on the money line. Calgary minus 245. Montreal is in Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks. The Alouettes we're pretty much the best of the rest in the CFL outside of Winnipeg, BC and Toronto three point road favorites. And then the BC lions, nine and a half point favorites in Saskatchewan to take on the rough riders who mailed it in in Montreal last week. And that point spread is uh, reflecting that Remus. Yeah. I mean, Saskatchewan's on what their third quarterback now after uh, Mason fine got hurt. So not a good situation for Saskatchewan, BC, uh, one of the top teams in the CFL, Vernon Adams fully back. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I get that line. Tough one oh, for uh, Saskatchewan. This was supposed to be like a comeback season for them after last year's disappointment. No doubt. Oh, and one more um, pick that we should get to. Spain has advanced to the World Cup final, the Women's World Cup final. And tonight, or tomorrow morning, 5 a.m. our time, the host Aussies, take on England in Sydney. My sister, my niece and nephew are going to be at the game. They'll be supporting Australia. England is the favorite at plus 133. Draw plus 210. I'm going to put a little sprinkle on the home team. What a cool story that would be if Australia could get it done. They will have a ton of support there, although there will be a lot of English as well. Uh, but yes, yeah, set your PVRs or get up early if you want to catch that game. At 5 a.m. Winnipeg time.
Tomorrow on the Lock Shop, speaking of cool bet, we will get into our picks for the BMW Challenge. On Thursday, it'll be our CFL show. Need to bounce back after a tough week following another big partner parlay win. We are we off big time, and it started with that bomber game on Thursday. And then, man, we're just a couple weeks away. How many more Mondays until the opening, until Monday Night Football? That's I was thinking about this last night. It's not many. I mean, it's, you're so conflicted how you're feeling. Like, yeah, football's almost here, and we're so pumped for it, but that means, like, summer's over. Uh, so I'm three more Mondays without Monday night football. And wow. then, and then it is on. And you know what? I, I, I'm not conflicted anymore. I mean, yes, I can't stand the winter. Yes. I love summer and I guess I'm not in any hurry, but usually these last couple of weeks of August, it's, it's when tough, I was a man. kid, I would get into like a deep depression. Like, I couldn't even enjoy my days knowing that school was about to start and we had, like, nine, ten months of school and that routine happening. <laughs> now, I get excited because I know the Labor Day Classic's coming up. I know the NFL's coming back. I know the NHL training camps are happening. And I'll tell you what, I've already planned a wild week. I just made uh, made the other plans. I'm going on the Canadian Thanksgiving weekend before the NHL season starts going to that Chiefs-Vikings game in Minnesota. There's probably a few people in the chat. Anybody else going to that game? The, uh, and it's great because it's Canadian Thanksgiving, so we can drive back on Monday. Everyone will be a day off. And then I'm going to do the show on Tuesday, Reem, and then fly to Calgary that night and hopefully do a game day show from the Saddle Dome before game one of 82 for the Winnipeg Jets when the puck drops on the season in Calgary on the 11th. Oh, yeah, we'll have to make sure you get the new uh, WST laptop for that one. So Yes, yes. It's, it's all getting getting ready here. So <laughs> exciting that we'll be able to go back uh, on the road again. With that thing, that sounds like a pretty cool trip. Yeah, well, it should be good. I'd like to hopefully get to a few more road games this year and as I say, we're going to work on a little ticket pack with the Jets, potentially a road trip at some point for WSTers a little later on. So lots of things cooking as we get ready for the upcoming season. But for right now, things you need to know, Friday game, Hooters, let's do it up big time. Should be a lot of fun. And then September 13th, Little Brown Jug, sports trivia, ticket information to come. As soon as we've got it, you'll get it first here on WST. We'll make sure that hopefully everyone that's been at the other events can come again and we can continue to grow it. We'll do this one out on the patio at Little Brown Jug, uh, weather permitting. That is going to do it for us today. Big thanks to Alex Adams. Great stuff. Looking forward to talking to him at the FIBA World Cup in, in Indonesia. Our pal Dustin Nielsen. Join us tomorrow noon our time for the lock shop when we get into some golf and on Thursday's CFL show. And, of course, Mike McIntyre, who regaled us with stories of the WWE and a pretty interesting golf chat. By the way, what's the final results of this poll? Ha! Josh Morrissey, 48%. Adam Lowry, 47%. It literally is a coin flip between Winnipeg Jet fans. For every one you find on one side, one's on the other. And I will say this. There's no bad choice between these two young men to be the next C captain of the hockey club. Yeah. <laughs>
47% Morrissey, 46% Lowry, 5% other. Shout out to the 191 people here who voted. And I think I think you got to go Morrissey, but I can see why people would want Lowry. Lowry reminds me of like a Chris King uh, style captain. Not like the top scorer, but a guy everyone respects. Uh, who plays 100%, brought it in the playoffs. No, I mean, he went, he got hot against Vegas there. So uh, that'll be our next, you know, we finished Dubois drama. What it's captain, captain countdown. I don't know what we're going to have uh, in training camp if they do decide to announce a captain. You think they, have we just decided that they're going to, they're going to 100% do it? Like, well, what if they I go mean, no captain really again? Decide, but <laughs> what? I, I would say so. I, I highly expect that to happen. Um, like I don't think they want to go through again. Although, I mean, I think what we all expected to happen this off season was Wheeler would be gone, Shifley would be gone, and they would kind of have a clean slate. That hasn't happened yet, so maybe. But I, I don't think it's a benefit to the team to not have a captain right now. I think they need to know they, you know, to have a couple guys, frankly, that'll be there, anointed as the leaders and culture carriers in the room. And both of those young men, I think, are uh, more than capable. To uh, David Zurich, nice comment. <laughs> uh, anyways, gang, that what is going to do it for uh, for us. And Bailey, it's a great uh, a great idea. Jet should announce the captain at Fan Fest. Maybe oh. they, you know what. If if this happens and Sarah does make that announcement with the player at FanFest, you will not only be the official intern, but the official fortune teller of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, folks, have a great one tonight. Uh, enjoy the ball game if you watch it. Whatever you do, have a good one. And uh, make sure to join us tomorrow. Murata Tesh back. And I can't wait to talk to Dave Naylor. Nails was in uh, in Dallas for the Jags-Cowboys preseason game. He's obviously covering Nathan Rourke. We're going to hear about the reaction there to it, as well as Rourke's spot. It's a little bit of NFL news and notes, and also get his thoughts on everything that's happening in the Canadian Football League right now. Good time to be a football fan, that's for sure. And good time to be with us on WST. Tell a friend how they can subscribe to the podcast or YouTube. And... Uh, Bring him in, folks. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.